John. Hi. Hakuna Matata. <laughs> You're in one of those moods today. John is in a mood today, everybody. Just fair warning. <laughs> I told you you're better at this than me. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. The truth is that we're both bad. <laughs> I'm bad at what I do. Hey, we, we never have made any promises. Except that we love... Docker lightweight containers... That's it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Did we get any Docker lightweight containers at uh, Trailhead? What do you think? I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. I don't know. I, I don't know what happened to me. I completely checked out. Well, first of all, the story of this week is that I've been on daddy duty because my wife took my daughter on a birthday trip. And um, so I've been trying to work and watch my son at the same time, who required way more attention than I expected. He's a little bit older. I thought maybe he'd, you know, get involved with his video games or something instead. He really wanted my attention. <laughs> so I, I spent a lot of time with him. Um, so that kind of diluted my interest in what was going on. Although I followed our Slack channel as much as I could and tried to catch up on the threads. But I really didn't watch anything. I didn't really immerse myself in any of the news or topics. It's, uh, I don't know what happened to me. <clears throat> so I... I was paying more attention to Slack yesterday. I had more time, but and there was there was some news, and, and there's some people there that we know. So Christie's there, um, Adam, Adam's there. Who else? Anyone else? Is Matt there? Matt's not there, is he? I don't think so. Because yeah, it's I don't think he would have flown out for that. Right. Which, but, by the way, thank you to both of you for for going and and you know reporting back, you know, pictures and topics and things. Yeah, and I think once it's so today is day two. The, the we're recording right now on Wednesday. It's day two. And so Waz will have his, I don't know if it's a talk or a fireside chat or whatever, but that's at five local time here this evening. But, you know, I, I searched around yesterday and I didn't see a whole lot of news that came out of it. I mean, we can, I don't know. I figure we'll get into. Well, they said they were going to have something big to announce. And so was there something big that they announced? I haven't seen it like so. i mean it was there i mean yesterday the keynote was yesterday right with yeah. with benioff and i mean was there any kind of earth shattering wow we now have namespaces type <laughs> <laughs> conversation no not really although you i mean do you want to let's you want to save trailhead stuff for later or uh, sorry trailhead trailhead trailheadics 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 what is it trailhead Trailhead DX. Trailhead DX. Well, the D's capitalized. That's why I think it's trail. It, trail well, it's trailhead. Trail. Trail. Trailhead experience. Trail, so trailhead X. Trail. Well, the D is capitalized. That means trail. Trailhead decks. Trailhead. Head decks. Trailhead decks. I'm sure people have turned <laughs> us off now. They're like, this is stupid. <laughs> Stop trying to it pronounce is. it. Yeah. Just say. Just well, they, say what everyone's saying. They just should have capitalized the X. Then it would be trailhead X, which makes sense, I guess. I don't, I don't like the name anyways. Although, that would be too much like TEDx. I don't like the name. Speaking of which, I discovered the other day, this just made me think of that, that there's there was um, there is a company called Salesforce One, uh, the, the words O-N-E, Salesforce One, and they sued Salesforce. Okay, this was, I think, a couple of years ago. I was looking through. I, sometimes I like to look through the Salesforce lawsuits. They're always fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you got on me for watching the the foundation being poured at the Salesforce Tower and here you are just trolling the 
the the court cases for anything no, Salesforce. I, I've got on to you for for scoping out your future uh, worship site <laughs> in San Francisco. <laughs> I'm, start, I'm starting to think that you might be like ramping yourself up for a career at TMZ or something. <laughs> Instead of obituaries and yeah, well, they they troll lawsuits too, looking for celebrity names. Now those guys, uh, that that's too intense of a gig. Am I using troll right? I always use that word to mean you're just sitting there combing through yeah, it, and looking for well, something to be kind of mean about i don't know i feel like i i feel like the word troll gets overused I'm, I'm guilty of it all right so i want to start out with a wtf of the week and this one bit me and it's one of these things that you know we spent you know myself and someone else who you know expensive people spent you know i would say on You're the expensive, order i'm cheap i would say on the order of hours trying to figure out what was going on we thought we were doing something wrong um and the problem here is that uh, in, with chatter feeds, so you log you as a user, you look at chatter, you've got this feed, you you follow groups, you follow topics, and we needed to get um, some posts from a group into this this person's feed, and they follow the group. They're part of the group. So normally, what happens when someone posts in a group, uh, you see it in your feed as a user. It's in your your main feed, right? Well, some of these posts weren't showing up at all in hmm. the user's feed. So we'd post to the a, a post to the group, and the user would not see the post in their feed. And we couldn't figure out like the rhyme or reason. Well, it turns out, and I still don't know what the exact number is. But what we were doing is we needed to we were backdating posts. So the, these posts we were putting into this group were, you know, anywhere from two days old to you know, three months old. We were, you know. Fudging in the created date, and after I think it's it's somewhere between thirty and sixty days. Um, when, once a post is thirty to sixty days old, if it's a group post, it will no longer show up in that person's feed at all. It doesn't show up in users' feeds. So it archives. No, because when you go to the group, it's all it's all right there. Hmm. <clears throat> so it just doesn't publish it to the feed, even if you're. It doesn't. Sh- I don't know if the right word is publish. I don't know what, but it doesn't show up. It's basically so feeds. You, you basically can't really depend on chatter feeds. They're not. They're. I guarantee you, they're not what you think they are. Just like how the Facebook. Remember when Facebook started jacking with their feed? Now it's all algorithmic. It used to be just chronological. You knew what it was. If you know one of your friends posted, or if you follow a page and it posted something, it you know you would know that it's going to go on your feed. You don't have to go out to all your friends. You know your friends walls and whatever to, to find out what they're what's happening because it would all hit your your feed in chronological order well you know as of a few years ago whenever they started doing the algorithmic right. feed it, you, you never you know you never know what you're going to get and that's kind of what i've discovered and i don't think the chatter feed is to that extreme i don't think it's necessarily like an algorithmic feed you know as much as salesforce likes to say they're an ai whatever they're AI first now, by the way. We'll get to that. That's I heard that from Trailhead. AI first. Um, as much as I can say that, I don't think Chatter has any AI. Any, any there's not even any kind. Of, AI is not even that. That's taking it too far. There's not even any algorithm in in terms of what goes into your Chatter feed, which actually I like. I think it should be a chronological. And if you're following too many things, I mean, that's I guess the problem that Facebook was trying to solve. Like people, well, that and also they want to show posts that sell more ads. Yeah. Or that are ad that can be ad that can be related to an ad as a reason to 
show you an ad. But the other problem was some people, after you have, you know, 500 Facebook friends, which is probably a low number. To me, that seems like a high number, but I'm sure some people have thousands, you know. I think I have like 10. What happens is, you know, what do they show you? I mean, you've got too much. You'll never be able to keep up. You see tons of stuff that you don't really care about that's not relevant to you. So Facebook, you know, they now try to show you, you know, this is probably their argument. They try to show you things that are relevant to you. But I don't think Chatter does any of that. It just... I think for, for for optimization reasons, they just they don't they start they start taking stuff out of your feed. Yeah, but I think the commercial consumer side of things has a tendency to produce more content that's just irrelevant versus your business information, which more more likely the relevancy is on the higher end of percentage. I don't. I'm not following you on that. Well, I mean, think about the the type of things people post. Their their pictures of their dinner, or their dog did something cute. You know, they you know they, all these kind of random things that really don't no one really cares about. So, the algorithm attempts to kind of find things that are relevant and and popular mm. that it can show you. So it's kind of ranking it, creating some more importance on it. Yeah. Whereas you know, for Salesforce to do that across you know many different industries and things like that, I think would be far more difficult. Right. And I, like I said, I don't think I'd want them to. I mean, the whole reason, I, and you know what project this is, I think, don't you? Yeah, because like, you asked me about this. Okay. I, me- I remember looking at oh, it. Oh, you do? Okay. Oh, uh, there was another expensive person on that. That's true. So there I, didn't were three paid, expensive. I didn't get paid for that. No, you said you were cheap. That's right. <laughs> I got it for a little bit of whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I work for whiskey, by the yeah. way. <laughs> should get a, a sign made up for that. Is there a whiskey uh, trailhead badge? There should be one. If you, I don't know. I'll ask Adam. He's got them all. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um. Yeah, but you know, and the whole reason we chose to use Chatter as this feed mechanism in order to get feeds into this mobile app was because, like, well, there, you know, we, let's use Chatter. It was like this, you know, uh, idea that that turned on in our in our heads. Like, let's use Chatter because it's got this feed mechanism. You know, you can, you know, you can mention people to get things in their feed. You can all these, you know, it's got all these. It's this feed system. That's art. That's reliable and rock solid. It's exactly what we need, right? No, Mm-mm. it's not. Mm. It's that. <laughs> and you know, I, I don't know. What's what do you? What's the phrase for that? It's not no good deed goes unpunished because I wasn't really doing a deed. It's just that I don't know. I feel like every time I try to use one of these Salesforce tools, it ends up biting me. I, think, I always end up regretting it. Well, I, sh- I should yeah. have just built it on my own. It would have saved a lot of trouble. Now I'm way invested in this, and it doesn't work. I mean, I remember the inception of, of a lot of this, and yeah, I mean, the discussions were. It, it's the same discussion that's got, that happens everywhere when it comes to looking at these type of tools and frameworks and platforms. Is you know, for at this level of at you know we're building prototypes or version one. You know, it's always the faster the market. It's always you know your your MVP, your minimum viable product. And that kind of trumps a lot of the the things that you would normally do, because you know ideally once you get past that prototype or that first phase, now you have from that hopefully some commitments that you can actually start planning out you know your real development cycle. Right. Because you're saying we use Salesforce for our MVP. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, you took the fastest approach. You know, you you needed some kind of feed mechanism. Salesforce had a feed mechanism. 
it, think, it didn't maybe do everything you needed to, but it, it it illustrated the point, right? Right. But now that we discover that it, you know, it's things drop out of the feed without, and that's I searched all through help. I, I googled. I couldn't find anywhere where that was documented, but it happens. Hmm. And so now, what do you do? I mean, we don't. You don't have any control over it. You know, it's not. This is not your system. This is Salesforce's system. It's going to work. They want it the way they want it to work. Yeah, sure. File a bug, and that'll go. You know, to to the round file. And that that's the trade off you make with any, with anything you choose. You know, you 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 make that compromise of yes, they've built this. It does ninety percent of what we do, but eighty percent or that twenty twenty percent we can live with. If you know about what the twenty percent is, true. But when it's when it's emergent, when these that twenty percent becomes thirty percent, it's like oh crap, we didn't know it didn't, or we didn't we didn't you know we didn't know it. These certain things were broken, and there's no timetable for fixing. This is why open source has just taken off. Um, you you know how many times in I think I'll call it real development nowadays do you hit a problem that you can't that you can't work around you know fairly easily if it's a bug you know if you really need to you can fix it yourself or um, there's just so many you know alternative alternative frameworks and components and different things and I don't know I, I'm still after you know 13 years of working with Salesforce still I'm still trying to figure out how to get along with it and it's tough. That's that's any relationship. <laughs> no. <clears throat> exactly. It's supposed just, to get, just admit it. You're, they ma- told you're me married. It would, they told me it would get easier, John. <laughs> you're, you're married to Salesforce, and 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 there's no divorcing it. Oh man, I, I, I have a dysfunctional relationship. <laughs> <laughs> you have kids, and and now you're staying together for the kids. <laughs> um, actually, you know, I have a second WTF of the week. Maybe uh, this will be last week's. I discovered this. So uh, I had a, um, I don't know, some kind of code, probably Apex of some sort. And it needed to look at the, it needed to find out which user populated a value in a field. Like, mm-hmm. okay, great. We're already tracking that with history tracking, right? So I wrote the code. It works, right? It you know finds which user first, pop, first populated a certain field. Write tests for it. Can't get my test to pass. Like, what the heck's going on? And it wasn't finding this user. Wait a minute. You wrote your code and then your test? What happened to TDD? Well, I, well, first of all, you can't TDD on Salesforce. <laughs> I know. Just, unless you have. I'm just trying to get you yeah. out. Um, but even if I had TDD, I don't know. The, the thing is, is your tests start off failing and then you write the code to pass them. And I hear I'm at the point, I wrote the code. It seems to function, but my test is not passing. This is, this is my problem now. And so I'd start digging a little bit deeper and I'm, you know, Adding a bunch of logging statements, and it turns out that you know the the user updates the field, saves it, but the history record doesn't get created. I'm trying to figure out, well, what the heck's going on? So again, now I'm spending all this time trying to figure out the native history record or yeah, field mm-hmm. dependent field tracking. Is that yes, what yeah, Tra- mm-hmm. uh, history tracking. So that was yeah, history tracking, right? I call it field tracking because it's field by you field. Can, you can have your own names for things. That's fine. <laughs> John's got his own names for things. <laughs> My name's Rock. Indeed, hey, by the I. way, citizen developer. I feel like I'm I'm the one that pop, propagated that, even though we. Oh, you think I, you made that up? <laughs> I, well, Salesforce was calling everyone. You know, what were they? Uh, uh, what were they trying to change it to? From developers to builders, builders like app builders or something, and like, and then they started subscribing to the to the Gartner Citizen Developer. Now that I see that everywhere, Citizen Developer. Yeah, I'm seeing it too. I'm like, what the hell? I. <clears throat> yeah, the media have really picked up on that. Yeah, you're welcome. Bye. <laughs> 
They should have someone named. No, I really, someone paid Gartner to, to put that in their glossary so yeah. that they can use it. No, um, so anyway, you know how database transactions work. Like, you know, you do, you make all these, um, you know, execute all these statements inside a transaction, and then you close the transaction, and everything, you know, happens as, as one unit. If something fails halfway through before the transaction is completed, then the, the system rolls the whole thing back. And you would think that when you, up, you know, insert or update a record that has history tracking, inside that transaction, the history records would, would get created. Well, this is not the case. So you created code that was, you're, you're we're not talking about low-level database transactions or Salesforce transactions. We're talking about you did a start set point or no, save point. I'm just talking about, in this case, a what do they call it? Apex transactions? They're the Salesforce okay. database transactions. Because there, there's that transaction, but there's also the transaction you can create as a developer, the, the set save point transaction, where you artificially say, this is the start of my transaction, and this is everything that has to happen within yeah, that. You do know that if you don't do that, you're still in a transaction, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so I wasn't, I wasn't creating a save point because okay. I didn't have any specific rollback logic. And if you don't, and in fact, you can't tell Salesforce, hey, start a transaction now. It's in a transaction. Like by the... When your code uh, gets, when Apex code gets run, it is in a transaction already. Yeah. What you can do is set certain save points, and then you can do you can roll back to those save points, right? Right. Yeah. So you can control. Um, it's almost like nested transactions in a way, I guess. Um, but if you don't do any explicit transaction handling, you know, when, when your code starts executing, whether it's a trigger or a Visual Force um, controller method. It's in a transaction, and then when, when your code is complete, that then uh, Apex or the system closes that transaction. And and in fact, if you don't, especially if you don't have any um, error handling logic in there, if something, if you let's say you make a bunch of DML, which Salesforce doesn't have DML, <laughs> bunch of CRUD operations, of, yeah, a bunch of CRUD operations, and at the end, uh, an exception it gets thrown that you that you don't catch. Okay, Salesforce will roll back that whole thing. It's it's in a, it's hap- it's all it was happening in a transaction, even though which is kind of nice. You didn't you didn't have to do as a developer, right? As a citizen developer, you didn't have to do. I guess citizen developers don't do Apex, do they? Or do they? <laughs> sure. I'll tell you what, man. With this, uh, listening to this Trailhead stuff, they they are continuing to basically ruin all existing shared vocabulary. They're just re. I mean, Salesforce is redefining what everything means. Yeah, they. It's getting. I mean, it's. But they I do that. Like, it's it's well, a constant it's getting, frustration with us when they bad. name things and they well, rename okay, things. Okay, renaming and, their own products is fine, but when there's when they're renaming, you know, it's and it's all around developer stuff. You know what? A, what? A, they're continuing continuing to evolve what a developer is, and to the point that okay, well, if they're going to basically steal that word and use it for to mean something completely different, then what do we do? Come up come up with new words? For, I mean, how do I, you know. What do, what do I say? A, a traditional developer, a classical developer? <laughs> that makes I'm you sound old. Just developers and no, citizen no, developers. No. Anyway, back to this transaction Are you thing. A D or CD. So, so inside inside a trend in you know, the Salesforce transaction transaction I'm talking about. Let's say it's on accounts that you have history tracking. You insert an account. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you go to let's say you then do a query look at the history. It's not it's not going to be there. Within the transaction you're querying, or after. Well, here's the funny part in the, in the in the test either. 
Because the test, are so, you using start and stop yes, with your test? Yes. So even in start, even in start test, stop test. Right. You do stop test and then you query for the, uh, the history tracking. It's not mm-hmm. there. It should be. It should be, but it's not. And it's like a verified. Just I don't know if it's considered a bug. It's just whatever. This but is, is just it the way a it works. bug only because there's no <clears throat> virtual commitment to the history table at that point. I don't know what you mean by Meaning a virtual it's, commitment. It's, it's only a bug with testing and not not production level code. Well, what now? Now it's got, you're getting me wondering. Okay, so if if history tracking is is it asynchronous? It's it's not happening within the transaction. That's what even Salesforce is saying here. It's not. It doesn't happen be. within the transaction. I mean, it, from from a practical standpoint, why would you put history within within the sync within the transaction? Why not asynchronous? Because it's very important that when what causes the history to be created, that the history tracking happen along in the in the same transaction, so that they both fail or succeed together. Oh, that is true. That, and this is a problem. Yeah, I can see that. This is a problem that it doesn't happen in the same transaction. Yeah. If if track because some to some companies that tracking data <clears throat> is critically important to their business. But history tracking doesn't get stored as part of your limits, correct? Like it doesn't. There's no impact to your storage limits with field tracking. They limit how many fields you can track, but the actual data that it's tracking, the records it's creating, because it's it's so. I don't think granular. they charge you for that. Yeah, they're not charging you for that. So I, so possibly in my mind, it's not within the transaction mainly to. Move it outside of those limits. Also, it, it might be even a different storage mechanism. Could be right. I, in fact, that that's that's not a bad guess actually, because if it was in this, if it was in their Oracle transactional database, it surely would be a part of the transaction, right? Right. Anyway, moving on. Did you ever uh, solve it? No, just, no, you have to, you know what, the, the only solution I could, I could, and I hate doing this, and I rarely do it, and when I do, I definitely flog myself for, you know, seven days and seven nights after this. I wrote a test, is test running, or whatever it is, is test running. <clears throat> in, produ- in production code, I have an is test running, hmm. which is a terrible, terrible code smell, and it's, it's just, it's, I don't know, ridiculous. There are still, there's still areas in Salesforce where you have to use that. Yeah, is test running? I ran into it with um, uh, the new Cubeable interfaces. Cubeable interfaces are the interfaces. Either way, the new the 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 new Cubeable technology that's supposed to it's 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 the same as it's an asynchronous transaction, but it's a Cubeable. Vers- it's not future, but it's Cubeable. Yeah, it's like an evolution of async or a yeah. future. Yeah. But anyways, you can chain you can chain your 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 Cubeable jobs, I'll say. You can chain those. However, within a test, it can't call more than one chain. Actually, I don't think it can call another chain. So you have to actually escape it with is test running hmm. if you're going to chain. Yeah. So. so I hope you're, whatever you're chaining is either tested independently so you can get your code coverage. Yeah. You know, basically, your solution shouldn't be dependent on the chaining. Right. And I read that Marketing Cloud still runs on... Uh, it's okay. <laughs> I haven't done much with Marketing Cloud, but I've, I've been in situations where we've got Marketing Cloud and Sales Cloud, and we're building things that kind of span the two, and that's when I discovered, this is relatively recently, like how not integrated Exact Target still is. It's not going to be. I guess not. I mean, it's just, it's, again, it's contrary to everything that Salesforce says. 
It's, it's just not it's not true when it comes to when it comes to that. Um, there and I what, this, what reminded me of it was Marketing Cloud still runs on Microsoft SQL Server. <laughs> 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 and just the thought of Salesforce running Microsoft SQL Server cracks me up. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's far funnier that that they're running on Oracle when they're in such heated competition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's the I don't know. It's all coopetition. I mean. Well, that's got to just that. That is the the thorn in Oracle's the thorn in Benioff's side. That's just it's gotten infected, and it just it every day, every moment of his of his life, he's thinking about the fact that he is so dependent on Oracle, and that they write such a giant check to Oracle every month. That's that's got to be. <laughs> if there's one thing he could change, I think it would be that. I guess that's his um. It's like alimony. He's paying alimony. <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> uh. Did you see the um, Why Everyone Hates Mark Benioff article? No, I did not. <laughs> it was in the register. Uh, I think it was the register. Let me double check. Yeah. You know the register, those, those Brits, they're, uh, they, have, they have a good sense of humor. I, I, I like their humor. <laughs> He, he's so the article. It's um, I don't know. It was kind of strange to to follow, but they're basically drawing a, an analogy, I guess, or comparison between uh, like Trump followers, I guess, and the like, the things that I guess Trump followers are um, are against are these things that basically Mark Benioff is for. I don't know. That's probably a terrible explanation of it. But So are they saying that Trump and his followers are the right and Benioff and his followers are the left? No. Because it, the similarities of him being big CEO and Trump being big CEO, billionaire, with and they're dipping their hands in politics? Uh, you, you know, I, I think all these things... Maybe they're yin and yanging it. Yeah, okay. So you know how Trump supposedly kind of crosses traditional right, le- the right-left... Um, you know, split, right? Um, I think a lot of this stuff, too, in fact, because basically what it's talking about is, you know, you've got all these computers, and they're talking about clouds, but, you know, computers and clouds and, and all this that are um, continuing to be basically putting people out of a job. Um, you know, it, it's it's a dull argument about, aut- like, automation, putting people out of jobs, you know, or um, when we, when the motor car was developed, you know, buggy and whip manufacturers, you know, went out of business. Same type of thing. But anyway, I, I got, there was a couple of funny quotes here. So, uh, Benioff and other captains of captains of Silicon Valley industry look around, look around them and they see waste. They see market friction. They use the Salesforce.com cloud to eliminate that refric- ref- friction, replacing salespeople with apps and middle managers with clouds. They never, they never consider the price though. And this thing is full of links. Like half of these words are linked up to articles that are... Anyway, they never, they never consider the price. Since 2010, United States counties with populations under 100,000 have lost more businesses than they've created. Anyway, they talk... It gets into like the, the Walmartization, I guess, putting, uh, putting stores out of business, which is interesting because that... I feel like that pendulum has started to swing back a little bit. You know, all these like Walmarts that are... Or Walmart has... Um, started closing down some of the more rural yeah. Walmart locations. 
that's a weird quote, though. I mean, what what are they trying to say? Because <clears throat> Salesforce and its automation doesn't necessarily replace salespeople or managers. Um, I mean, these are tools for them to use. I, I've never seen anything in Salesforce that that eliminates a job. Yeah. In terms of that aspect of it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's I'm not going to do a good job of making the argument. I would say. Uh, if you're interested in that argument, go read this article. <laughs> but I just highlighted some funny quotes. That's um, here's another one. So uh, <laughs> Trumpistan. Have you heard this term, Trumpistan? No. <laughs> <laughs> so now, okay, now those features have exploded, disappeared before the very eyes, replaced by a scold in San Francisco who demands they accept some shemale or girl boy peeing in the stall next to their <laughs> innocent daughters. Well, hell no. <laughs> Um, he gets into uh, Mark Benioff and Sissy wants equality. Um, but alongside the fight against HB2, which was, was at the North Carolina line, Benioff and other tech titans have enjoyed the battle, or have, en- have enjoined the battle for H1B, a demand that tech be able to get talent uh, they need from India, China, or wherever it happens to be. Trumpistan kids are already losing the fight for elite college places to the wealthy of overseas, and now the, now the kids want to cut in line. What will happen to the U.S.? So you can see a little bit more of that argument. Uh, Benioff and his fellow billionaires see none of this. Locked behind gated walls in their private jets, shuttling between meetings at luxury resorts to be interviewed on TV yet again, they are shocked, shocked that anyone, let alone one of two um, major America parties, could possibly act as heirs to Ludd, reference to Luddites, uh, could possibly reject the future of ease, safety, and wealth clouds, oh, wealth that clouds and apps can provide. Basically, just saying that these Benioff types, I think they they're so caught up in their own their own bubble that they have just like zero idea of the the impact on what you know, some of their stuff. Silicon Valley shrugs its shoulders at this. New jobs will appear. They insist there will be better jobs, easier jobs. Trust us; it has always been that way. Think of it as evolution in action. I don't understand the point they're trying to make with that article, or with, even with those quotes. Maybe it's. It, I need more context from the rest of the conversation. I think. Okay. Have you have you followed any of this? Um, I guess Trump talking about, um, you know, punishing companies who take jobs overseas, uh, bringing you know bringing jobs back, um, you know, putting I don't know, putting these co-workers back to work and all this stuff. I and mean, it's it's along those same lines, I think. And I guess his argument here is that. And I'm kind of with you. I don't. I don't necessarily see this. That all this cloud stuff is, and just what it, what these applications are automating are, making it worse, or or maybe even the fact that, you know, I mean, Benioff's been petitioning for higher H-1B limits for for years now. I guess you know now, and that that's actually an interesting topic. Like, they they only want to employ people in San Francisco. And you're all, there's just only so many people there. Um, if he needs, you know, instead of petitioning for more H-1Bs, like, what, how about set something up in, like, Detroit or something, like a city that is ripe for a revival. In fact, there is a tech revival going on. Build some centers, you know, in, in less expensive parts of the country that have this talent. Do, I mean, you've got, look at the, the shadow stats. We're still basically, like, 20% unemployment. Our... Un, our um, Workforce particip- participation rate is at you know all like basically record lows. Um, 
the last jobs report we just had was what 30, 32,000 jobs created that's that's basically like a net or that's like a negative we it's basically like a negative 100 and something thousand jobs because i think i think the replacement rate is like 125 150,000 something like that if you're not if you're not making creating at least new that many new jobs every month then you're actually losing because of jobs lost and also um you know new people being new people entering the workplace coming into the country for jobs so it's like you know, pe- people actually, people need jobs, man. People need jobs here. Yeah, and but, let's figure out how to skill these people up or something or, you know, take advantage of them versus just going overseas or... Um, so is, right. is the is the art, is the kind of hypocrisy of this... Well, it's not even hypocrisy. Is the train of thought with this article that the cloud is killing jobs because it's getting to Walmart size and, because, and even though it's killing jobs, com- tech companies are, are pushing for higher H-1B... Li- Limits meaning they want to bring more foreign talent into the country to fill jobs that that can't be sourced locally. I, I, it just seems weird because in the article it's talking about losing jobs, but yet they want to go get more people for these for jobs for, jobs. for some reason that Americans can't do. Right, and I and again that's when I, I again I'm kind of uh, ad uh, ad libbing here, but. You know, Benioff only wants to employ people in San Francisco. You know, and, and you know, in Salesforce, they're they're a big um, user of H one B visas, but they're if you look at where those people are moving, it's they're all you know. I think most of them are right there in San Francisco. You know, and and again, yes, that's I'm sure that's a competitive area, right? There's there's only so many software engineers or whatever 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 they're looking for in that area, and there's so much competition for them because like, there's so much demand for them with all these yeah. tech companies there. I mean, there's some tech companies you don't have, that just have but, a major lockdown. But you don't have to go overseas. Like, there's other parts of the country where there are lots of people that are skilled and and underemployed. You know, that's that's what you know. Art, the whatever the most common unemployment, the U three, I think, unemployment number. You know, doesn't count all these people that are unemployed. Or sorry, underemployed. But that's or, just, or that's, that have been that's un- assuming that the, those that are unemployed are interested in development or technology. I think there's a big fallacy within the tech community community that. Everyone can and wants to be a developer. Everyone can and wants to be. Did you have not listened to Trailhead? Of course, they do. Everyone's going to be a developer. I mean, I, I, so I'm going I'm to personal story for me. I, I look <laughs> at my daughter, and she loves technology, right. and I've exposed her to certain things, and she enjoys it. She mm-hmm. likes, you know, being able to create things with it, but it's not her passion. It's not her, what she enjoys. Yeah. I, I can't, even though I've exposed her to it, I, I'm, I'm happy that I was able to expose her to it, but I doubt she's going to be in technology when she grows up. She has other passions, other desires, and you know I, th- I think it's great to expose kids and to expose others to technology and say, "Hey, look, look what you can do." Yeah, but that doesn't mean that that's what people want to do. I think, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know enough of the numbers, but I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of these people who are either majorly underemployed or are just not even counted in unemployment numbers because because they've been unemployed too long. There's a huge number of those um, that uh, definitely would be willing to. I mean that. This gets back to like, you know, not enough people, I guess, are picking, to your point about your daughter, are picking degrees that, you know, college and things that end up with them being, you know, having marketable skills. Yeah, that's a whole different issue, though. Is it? Is it? Seems related. How? Because we have people that need work. They just don't necessarily have the, currently have the right skills. Or they're being looked over because they don't live in San Francisco. 
Yeah, but it's hard to tell. I mean, who who would have guessed, you know, 10, 15 years ago that there'd be such a, almost almost cursed, but such a rager for <laughs> for tech people. A rager. That's a nice <clears throat> I mean, euphemism. If I remember correctly, a few years ago, it was medical. Everyone was pushing for medical. In fact, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a pediatrician. I mean, everything around me was saying, get into the medical field, get in the medical field. Look what doctors make. Look, you know, look what you can do. I went to vocational for my last right. two years of high school, rotating in and out of doctors' offices and and you know hospitals, and I was dead set. I was going to be a a doctor. And now it seems like all doctors are unhappy. Yeah, right? I'm happy to be in tech right now. To be honest, because well, they don't have any control of how their practices run or how yeah. how they get paid, how you know, their their customers. They don't have relate. You know, it's weird. Anyway. I just think it's. I mean, I just think with the times when there's a demand, people are 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 so focused on that demand, and 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 it, it takes a couple of different avenues to try to meet that demand. It, it's getting people who are currently skilled at that, and that that may come in the form of the H1B. You know, meaning people in other countries who are developers and looking to be developers, and they they want to bring them over here. But then there's also that kind of plant the tree, plant the seed, so that you know, ten years from now, you have a full grown tree that you can use. Or <laughs> yeah. So here, let me go back to this article in this, and I don't know if this doesn't explain it. Then you probably just have to go read the whole thing. But he's okay. So it says the car dealer, the real estate office, the insurance agent, the travel agent, the little the title lawyer, the banker. These were good businesses. They gave the small town its leaders and its structure. They supported the civic organization, manned the local government, provided a few lucky families with the means to control the society and perpetuate themselves. Now the real estate office is an app. The insurance company is an app. The broker and the bank have an app, and the loan office is an app as well. The travel agency is shuttered, and even if the elites are still working, they know now that the kids will be on their own. That seems more of an argument against big enterprise than anything it's like a generalized yeah i'm talking about cloud but really my big my issue is with the big walmarts of the world yes, the big think, insurance companies right. worlds the big banks you know it's it's that one percent of the enterprise market that's trying to kind of controlling everything pushing all the little guys out yeah i agree and i don't because i don't really buy much of this guy's argument um except the whole consolidation thing i'm not sure that's great like when you you know companies you know, and i think salesforce has done this and um, they're actually a good example you know, without all their acquisitions, they'd be half the size of what they are. Um, they're consolidating. They're consolidating all you know, all these services and systems and apps and things, and under one banner. And I'm not sure that you know having just you know Microsoft, Google, IBM, Oracle, and Salesforce is you know controlling everything from e-commerce to manufacturing to field service to accounting and ERP and human resources. Like all, um, you know. That all being under one company is the best thing for people, whether it's society in general or uh, employees or customers even. It's less choice. It's more, you know, I don't know. It's, I, don't, I, think, I think it follows the same trend as anything. It's, it's fluid, meaning a certain amount of consolidation does happen, but then people kind of see where that consolidation is failing and they start branching out and start you know, just like we've seen, you know, there's more mom and pops coming. There's more, you know, local businesses coming out. And, yeah. And they're being championed. Um, and then eventually those guys will grow up and be big and they'll find their niche and they'll start to consolidate because they want to grow. And then that cycle will just continue. It's just this constant cycle of consuming and then, and then you know, splitting off. Yeah. I guess it's similar to, you know, United States, we used to have... Um, you know, basically one phone company. Right? Yeah. And those all got split up. 
Um, and there's always this constant, you know, balance, I guess, that the, who is it that, um, is it the FTC? Who, who decides on whether companies can merge? Uh, I believe it's the I, FTC. I think so, yeah. Federal Trade Commission. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, um, just recently, so I've, for the long, for, you know, almost 10 years now at my house, I've had DirecTV for my TV. And I've chosen, I do have cable available to me, but I only use it for internet. So I have Time Warner for my internet. And I had it that way because I thought DirecTV's TV service was better. And the local phone company, which I think is AT&T, their internet service is terrible. So I chose Time Warner for cable. Well, just in the past few months, actually in the past month, my DirecTV now has an AT&T logo all over the screen because mm-hmm. AT&T bought them. And my Time Warner just got bought by, I guess, Charter, and now they're called Spectrum. And so now, we're, again, we're getting really? as if we needed less competition <laughs> in TV and Internet. Like, that's what's happening. That's funny because Verizon got rid of Fios, and that's now Frontier. Right. And apparently front, the rumor conspiracy is that Frontier and Time Warner had some kind of thing going because they were actively trying to take disgruntled uh, for former Verizon Fios customers over to Time Warner. That is really a shame that Verizon could not make that work. Yeah, I mean, they basically just said, yeah, we can't do this. Uh, they, really, they, they found that they're more, far more profitable in the mobile market. I mean, because they got rid of everything, our phone service, everything. We had it, we had it all through them. They, got, they just chopped that yeah. off. I don't get it. I mean, was it they just couldn't make it affordable, I guess? They couldn't get the cost down? I think what they're finding is the cost of maintaining these networks and everything is is really expensive, and they're not growing as fast. They're not making the volume that they need. Yeah, you know, they're they're not getting enough people to pay for the bandwidth of of FiOS and all those kind of things. I mean, if Verizon's not big enough to do that, I don't know who is. I know it kind of scares me because I really enjoy my my bandwidth. I had that service for a year or two before we moved to uh, Frisco, and it was really good. And the TV service was great. The box is another story, but um, the internet obviously is great. Anyway. And, um, and bandwidth is going to be important, especially for companies like Salesforce that are entirely online. Yeah, that's the, that's I the mean, new, that's gonna, that's gonna, that's the gonna, new human right, right? Internet. <laughs> Interwebs <laughs> is a human right. Well, broadband. You got you to you know, have fast Facebook. How are you supposed to live? You got to have lightning fast lightning. You can't have <laughs> lightning fast lightning without broadband. Uh, I, don't think, uh, I don't think internet speed is going to help lightning get faster. <laughs> <laughs> from what I've seen, oh, oh, oh. from what people tell me, maybe we can talk about that. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, so <laughs> there's an analyst company that created the Salesforce.com superlative index, and they they're doing all these correlation studies between how many superlatives, so things like you know awesome and super and great and huge, how many of those are used and in, in their I believe in their earnings conference calls or whatever. And they're doing correlation studies because they, and they're proving that the more superlatives they use, the better their, <laughs> their results are. But see, those aren't Salesforce superlatives; those are Benioff superlatives. So I don't know. They're 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 quoting um, the the um, the second in command. Well, Keith, <laughs> the the heir apparent, Keith Block. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> yeah, but I mean, he's he's just take. I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I will say this about Benioff: his his, his superlatives. Are infectious. I mean, go to Dreamforce, and ad- after a day, what do you hear people saying all the time? It was awesome. It was incredible. I mean, you just—it just becomes infectious. Well, th- 
the lunch I had yesterday, I was surrounded by people who, they just, I mean, they are definitely in the, you know, Benioff indoctrinated. They are supreme followers of the, <laughs> of the leader, of the supreme leader, the king of San Francisco. Uh, I'm just like, wow. Okay. It went from words to hero worship. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, that you did that, not me. I did? Yeah. I'm just saying it's, it's infectious. It, the, the wording is infectious because it's reinforced throughout the entire See, to me, event. To me, it's grating because I'm like, like, can we have more than a, you know, fifth grade elementary here? Or a fifth grade vocabulary? I don't know. I, I, think, I find it, although it does get annoying at, at a certain degree, it's, it's somewhat, I don't know what the right word to say is, but it's better than the old suit and tie business speak. You know, I mean, think about Ellison. Whenever he gets up and does a talk, it's so fucking uh, boring. Oh, God, John. <laughs> it's, it's so Fitbit boring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really is. I mean, he tries. I mean, uh, the, the most entertainment I got, got out of it was him just overusing Dr. White Lake containers like it was no tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, that was his awesome word, was Docker Lightweight Containers. Although, in his defense, I think he was wearing, like... Yeah, I mean, he was dressed down, but, I mean, stuff, his but. speech, you know, he was he just represented that old-school suit and tie, big enterprise. I mean, I doubt you could get... Uh, what's his name? Uh, who was head of C- of Microsoft? Bomber. You know, even Bomber, when he tried, it was just, well, you're, you went over... You overdid it, dude. When it, <laughs> His developers, developers, developers. I mean, he was trying... But he just went overboard. It was like that old guy trying to be cool. But Benioff, it's it's kind of this. It's his personality. It's it's him. So you get that kind of personal connection with it. You get I that guess, personality. Um, so it becomes infectious. <clears throat> it's like my mom on the it phone. Does not, my, I can tell my it, mom. I am. I can tell you, I'm immune to this infection. If, if she's on the phone and, and I've been vaccinated. You've been I su- vaccinated. I suggest you all get vaccinated. So this used to annoy me about my mom is she'd get on the phone and she'd start talking like the people she was talking to, or n- not even the phone is where it's more apparent. But even if she's around a oh, group yeah. of people, yeah. she'll adopt their accent, right. she'll adopt their style of speaking. It's like it would get on my nerves so much. But I don't know. Maybe I get it. Maybe it's how how we humans adapt and relate to other people. It's it's an instinctive quality. See, to me, the more superlatives I hear, the more my skeptic, you know, hairs on the back of my neck start standing up. I'm like, hmm. All right, I'm paying more attention here because you are trying to distract me with all your awesome and amazing and huge and you know <laughs> fantastic and. Let me let me peek behind the curtain and see. What, I'm like, what know, this wizard why is, is there really why doing? is there so much pomp and talk and you know smoke and mirrors in this dog and pony show? And it turns out the reason is because they don't have anything to show. No. That's not it at all. Yes, it is. You know what it That's is. That's what Dreamforce was last you year. Know there what was it is? nothing at Dreamforce last year. You know what it is. Despite what everyone else wants to make out of Salesforce and Benioff as this great, caring company that's really great to work for and it's awesome and incredible, they're still selling you something. They are trying to get you to part with your money and give it to them. Yeah. And they are trying to make the biggest amount of profit as they can, which means they're going to take as much money from you as they can. Okay. Bottom line, oh, yeah. that's they're, what's they're behind it all. Right. No, they absolutely. are a company. They are for-profit company i'm not saying it's not effective i'm just saying for me personally the more of that crap i hear the more i start wondering why i'm hearing so much crap and not seeing very much substance and that's good that's natural that's smart i mean have you ever had the experience of you work with a customer and um who went to dreamforce recently and they are shocked 
to find out that they can't do what they wanted to do or they can't do it in the way or, or that what they learned at Dreamforce wasn't really accurate. Oh, it, does, it happens during Salesforce. Yeah. I'll have lunch with people and they're like, uh, I thought we couldn't do this. I'm like, well, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they said you could do this and this, but that you have to work with this limit and your requirement is this. But, and that means you can't do this. They're very careful about not being specific about capabilities. <laughs> you're like, well, actually, they didn't <laughs> specifically say you could do that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But, you know, I, I like this. I'm going to start following this uh, superlative, the SFDC superlative in, index. The top five ones are exciting, incredible, huge, amazing, and outstanding. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I think we can, in fact, I think I might start set up some kind of auto uh, trading thing and start buying and selling Salesforce stock based on how many superlatives are in news articles. Oh, there you go. That'd be interesting, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be. I, you know what? I bet you could make a lot of money doing that. <laughs> Um, okay, John, what else, what else is on the docket? Before we get to Trailhead? Yes. Uh, I've got nothing. I wanted to talk about some developer stuff, but I think that requires a larger <clears throat> topic than what we have time for. Okay. Uh, I got a couple more then before we get to Trailhead. Uh, this is another, uh, another article from the register uh, about how Salesforce's data center team fought the AWS outsourcing thing. Which you would, that's pretty natural, right? Of course, they're going to fight it. Yeah. Because it takes budget away from them. Yeah, and these people, their jobs are going to go away. I mean, these data centers aren't static. They're not like, oh, we built it, now we just maintain it. No, they're constantly looking for ways to improve it, to build on it, to improve the technology, to improve the monitoring, the security, everything. And that requires budget, requires R&D. And if if the focus shifts to outsourcing, your your budget just got... Chopped in half, probably. Yeah. Apparently, there was a big battle, but uh, AWS clearly demonstrated its superiority over Salesforce's own internal technology. Um, which, and, I, which I mean, if, if we're talking about what's smart for Salesforce to get into, I mean, AWS could end up being another oracle for them if they go too far with it. If they get too dependent on it. You know, you—that's the thing. You you can't do everything yourself. You've got to. You have to have vendors. You have to, you know, build on, stand on the shoulders of giants in a lot of cases. And in fact, I, that's that's another, I think, organizational smell is if there is too much not invented here, right? Basically, where they think they have to build everything internally. It's like, oh, you know okay, what? I see what you're something. Like, yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to be that vertically integrated, I guess, or yeah, whatever. Um, but uh, okay, so Salesforce decision to go with AWS doesn't tell us much about Salesforce per se. Rather, it tells us everything about the cloud that Amazon has built. On the one hand, it suggests that Salesforce concedes the IaaS PaaS crown to AWS and acknowledges that it can't out-innovate Amazon in that market. It also hints that Force.com has become legacy code, at least compared to AWS. And to your point, it also says one additional thing, and it's perhaps the biggest statement of all. The benefits of building on AWS far outweigh the risk of lock-in. <clears throat> I wonder if Heroku taught them that. I mean, Heroku's been able to to build some pretty nice stuff on top of AWS. Right, and so, you know, Salesforce has had a relationship with AWS for years now. Through or- through Heroku. Right. I mean, Salesforce owns, completely owns Heroku. And, uh, you know, apparently uh, Benioff and Bezos are... Buddies, 
I'm sure. They'll, they'll Actually, up. I'm not sure they are. That Matt, be a Matt Bezos com- is a weird dude. Really? Yeah. Don't you think so? I don't, I don't pay much attention to him. Not have, you heard his, have you heard his laugh? <laughs> like, you know, every, I swear, every He's interview like he a, does, he goes, ah! <laughs> <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Interesting guy. Very, very um, smart. Or he, certainly history has made him look pretty smart so far. Yeah. What do you think about this uh, comment? I, and I guess I keep hearing this, you know, the force.com, how it's a legacy and that's becoming a problem for Salesforce. I think they want to get away from, from Apex. Well, I think they're talking more, not the, the stack that's exposed to, you know, us developers. I think they're talking about the underlying technology. So, you know, what, the fact that it's built on, I'm just making stuff up now, but servlets and a, you know, a bunch of basically 20-year-old Java stuff. That's, I mean, Apex is built on top of that. I, right. I, I think, right. I think I agree. in terms of a platform, but you they, know, which they want to they be, they want to be more than just CRM and marketing and all that kind of stuff. They also want to be a platform, hence this Trailhead conference. I think, I think they really want to start you know, becoming this platform and, and really attacking that. And getting companies to do more and build more, and in fact, they they even recently announced they're gonna they're gonna increase the amount they're investing in startups, not only just to help them build technology, but apparently retail space and things. You know, make sure they have the funding to have a place for people to come and work and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they really want developers to build stuff on their platform because absolutely that right. makes people that that makes people more dependent on their technology, which exactly. is great business. I mean, if you're a roach motel, you want as many roaches as you can walk in the <laughs> door, right? If you're going to take it from that perspective. I'm just saying from a business perspective, you want as many people coming in, using it, and depending on it, and, and seeing its prices and saying, hey, this is a great platform. You want people out there who are, you know, evangelists that say, you know, this is the greatest thing. This is all I build on. It's, it's awesome. And that is exactly what Trailhead X, Trailhead, Trailhead X is, from what I've heard. And I've got a couple of clips we can play that I think, in fact, it was like they're, little pack, you know, prepare package. Mm-hmm. And just the rhetoric coming out of Trailhead X, it's all about everyone can be a developer. Everyone should be a developer. You can come from anywhere and, you know, and everyone should be a developer on on Trailhead. <laughs> Trailhead's becoming this, you know, a thing of its own. I, I think it's a good tool. And I think for those that are interested in that stuff. Well, Will, and I, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to ask you about that too because I'm, I'm okay. Confused about, it. but I have one more topic before we get into that. But I have to, I have to try to pull something up here. Um, Got so, dead air. I thought you hated dead air. No, I've I got a marker. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this is about um, our favorite one of our one of my favorite topics non non gap accounting. Very exciting. Very exciting topic. I see how Ready? sneaky I can do this. If you remember, we've talked about this whole thing where companies come. This is a, that this is a clip I got. I was listening to Dvorak. What's it called? Dwarf Horowitz Unplugged or whatever? Anyway. Out with their earnings and they come out with uh, gap and non gap and with one time adjustments and well, exclusions of different items for expenses and one timers and all this. It's like, how yeah, you, all the crazy things you can think of. How do you even track any of this stuff? And how do you know if they beat, if it's, you know, they say they came in with, uh, you know, three cents above the estimate on a non gap basis? Okay, that's fine. And then their estimate is non-GAAP, and then they, you know, but why are you doing non-GAAP, which is generally accepted accounting principles? Hello, 
hello, <laughs> we're supposed to be using these things so that we can measure. For a reason. Yeah, we're supposed to be measuring information so we know what's going on. Now you start doing non-GAAP, which is the equivalent of saying we're going to give you earnings that may or may not have information in it that's important, and we're just going to make it look better by using this non-GAAP uh, word over the top of it. By saying it's non-GAAP, well, therefore, it gives us the leeway to do whatever we want. Because, Well, wait a minute. Who said that's okay? You know, and then all of a sudden it caught on and more and more companies were starting to use this non-GAAP way of showing outward uh, estimates and reporting earnings. And now the SEC is taking another step. They're going actually even further because they started some of this process already to crack down on corporations that are using these numbers that deceive, as they believe, are deceiving investors. They are. Yeah, I know. And, and they're focusing on this, this, this new program they have is uh, on companies that use non-GAAP metrics to tell a misleading story and that give too much prominence to non-GAAP numbers or to promote non-GAAP metrics that exclude relevant recurring costs. Because you could kind of, on the non-GAAP side, you just start taking out pieces of it and make it look much better. All right. So we, we have a problem. Houston, <clears throat> we have a problem. <laughs> well, the problem is that the government's going to start to try to wrap their arms around that type of accounting. That's the problem, right? Yeah. Well, then that, then they are. So let's let's get into that. But I mean, when we say misleading investors, I mean, who are they talking about? Because analysts are pretty well aware of the tricks that are being played with GAP and non-GAP, right? Um, I mean, it's not like they're like, poss- oh, GAP, awesome. Possibly, but when you listen, I'm, have you ever listened to their conference <laughs> calls? Listen to these analysts. Yeah, they but, they they are talking in the non-gap terms like that's like those are the real numbers. Yeah, but I mean that's that's to be expected when when you have the CEO of a company. No, analysts should just... want to know what the real numbers are. They're okay. Listen, Salesforce is ninety percent owned by these analysts. They they're part of the game. The individual investors are the ones getting hosed because they're not getting the real information. That's anyway. That's the, listen. If we have a way of doing accounting, the rule is everyone has accounting that way. It's gap generally accepted. Accounting principles. It's by it's controlled by FASBA or whatever they're called, you know. And all of a sudden, you say, "Well, I want to do accounting. A, I'm going to do accounting a different way because it makes my numbers look better." Well, then it's you know now we're not we, we can't compare apples and apples anymore. And so they, but I mean, they do they do announce on those calls non GAAP versus GAAP. A lot of the, a lot of the stuff you don't see non GAAP. You have to look. You have to scroll to the very bottom and look for asterisks or find that they'll they'll have like a on an appendix like reconciliation tables. If you want to get to Gap, here's how you patch in numbers to the rest of that. Mm. It's very confusing. I mean, I think it's I think it's a problem. I, like, let's just all. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm not an accountant. I'm not an investor. I'm not a you know an investment expert. But like, it seems to make sense that you would have. Let's all count the numbers the same way so that we can compare, and we and so we understand how your business. You're asking us to to buy stock in your business. Like, well, I need to know how your business is doing. And that's true. I think I think Salesforce and other subscription based companies have kind of been skirting under with the fact that they and it's, they, they're the way, on this yeah. new business model with deferred revenue, and you know because there's there's not a lot of oversight or regulation wrapped around that just yet, that they are able to kind of be a little more fluid with the numbers. Yeah, and then, and it's not to say there's not regulation. I mean, non um, and the SEC has made comments on this before. It's clearly allowed. And by the way, you know, Salesforce is not even close to being the only company that does this. I mean, mm-hmm. almost all of these SaaS companies are using, it, it, in some at some level or another, non-GAAP terms. But anyway, 
And I think the other thing is just how prominent subscription-based services are becoming. I mean, just about everything well, we you can think we've of. We've always had subscriptions where you pay up front, but, you know. We, I, I, we have, but they were relegated to specific industries, specific niches. There wasn't too many things that us as consumers were willing to yeah. pay for subscription-wise, and even companies. I mean, you have licensing contracts, but those were, you know, year-over-year dollars being traded. Right. And it was on contract basis, not necessarily subscription-based. And, like, if you think of traditional software, you know, if you bought a year worth of, you know, an Oracle license, once they sell you that license, they, all the work done to hand you that license, it's all, it's all done. Like, yeah. there's no future work. So they, yeah. can, they can recognize all that revenue. Right. Even, the, even though it's a one-year license and you get to use that for a year, they can recognize all that revenue immediately. Whereas if it's a service that you are delivering on an ongoing basis for a year, you have to tie your, um, your revenue to your delivery of that service. Right. And so that's, you know, deferred revenue. That's why you have to, that's why you have to defer that revenue. You, you do book the revenue and you get the cash, but you have to also book a, a, a liability against that cash, which is what deferred revenue is. It's a liability. Right. Anyway, okay, so I got a couple of quotes. I'll pull these from a bunch of different articles, but I think it'll give us a little bit of a picture here. Uh, the reason for the, for the use of the non-GAAP numbers is very simple. It's to create an illusion of corporate profitability where one does not exist. Um, but as the Wall Street Journal calculates, it's not just shareholders who enjoy the illusion that their investment is doing better than in reality. It is corporate executives themselves who are delighted by non-GAAP numbers. And the reason why, in addition to shareholders, management is also infatuated with non-GAAP is because, quote, when used with compensation metrics, they can help executives draw bigger pay packets. So there's, there's, and this is, this is part of the problem. There's such, it's so uh, enticing for these executives to, to use these numbers. I mean, obviously you're, you're going to want to. I mean, there's such a strong oh, yeah, incentive want to, there. You want to paint the best picture you can. Right. So here's what's happening. Um, SEC, which is the Security and Exchange Commission, uh, the chair, uh, Mary, they call her chair, not chairwoman, Mary Jo White, took the opportunity this week to fire a broadside at one of its most cherished traditions in Silicon Valley, companies tweaking their accounting to make their earnings look better. Um, reacting to what it sees as growing presence of non-GAAP measures and suspecting that they're increasingly misleading, the SEC is cracking down on the practice. Uh, quote, for lack of a better way to say it, we are going to crack down, unquote. Uh, quote, the pendulum has swung. So basically they're saying, they allowed it. They, they've, they've allowed this to happen. In fact, a lot, I've, I've been hearing people for a couple of years now start to complain that the SEC is not, had not been cracking down, was just allowing this to happen. Uh, there's growing evidence showing increasing use of non-GAAP measures and of these measures be becoming increasingly misleading. Uh, for some companies, this, uh, this is actually a, a clip where they were talking about specifically, and this is a really common thing too, paying, um, basically paying employees with, with stock, right? That's an expense that, with, that Gap makes you recognize as, as, an, as, a, as an expense. But what these companies argue is it's really not, it's not an ongoing expense. It's a, it's a one-time thing, so it shouldn't, it shouldn't be counted against like the profitability or how, how profitable the company looks. But when you do it quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter, you, you can see it's obviously not a one-time expense. It is, that, is how, that is how you're running. That's how you're funding your business. That is how you're funding your operations. It's how you're paying employees. Salesforce is about 
about 10% of the revenues are essentially stock-based compensation, which is a pretty huge number. And if you, if you get to exclude that from your expenses, then, and there's examples of companies, Alcoa was one I, I read uh, recently. I guess they switched, and they're an old company. I mean, aluminum, you know, aluminum or whatever, the aluminum. Um, they went from a, by switching from gap to non-gap, they went from a half a billion dollar loss to a half a billion dollar profit. Just by, <laughs> but anyway, um, so for some companies, this is a huge item, this being stock compensation. At the San Francisco business development firm, Salesforce.com, for example, annual stock compensation equals about 9% okay, of revenue. Subtracting it turned gap losses totaling more than $542 million over the last three years into a non-gap profit of more than $1 billion. Wow. So that'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, again, it's not... It's not just affecting Salesforce. I don't expect it, you know, to, for all of a sudden their stock to go down or anything. It's just, and and I could be wrong about this, but I think I recall on their, what they just released, it was Q1, right? Q1. Yeah, their yeah. Q1 results. Q1 of their mm. weird fiscal year, which starts in February. I believe it was mostly reported in gap terms. And I, I could swear that if you look at their previous um, Q, uh, what are they called? Q4, no, um, 10 Qs? Yeah, 10 Q. Um, they were, those were always non-gap. I mean, that, that and could, I think they just switched to gap. I, I'm going to have to go back and double that, check that. That could be why, you know, his buddy uh, Kramer was so excited about the numbers. I mean, I, I thought they were marginally better they year are. over they, year. Yeah, they, but well, if, I think they were if, significantly if they're better. reported in gap terms, then yeah, I mean, I guess that could be huge. And, and, you know, going from non-gap to actually being able to report gap is probably a big deal. Maybe that's why he lost his voice. He was partying and screaming all night. Well, because this uh, this was probably the first quarter where they were able to use Gap and not have it be all red. Yeah. I mean, because the thing is, Salesforce being profitable on Gap terms is less likely they're going to fall into the bubble or pop their bubble. Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever well, I mean, your perspective. Just, well, the, you know, again, the question has always been, like, can Salesforce make this this model of software as a service, because there's, you know, not very many companies of, of any size that are that are doing this in a, in a way that shows a sustainable business. And so that and Salesforce being the biggest one, the poster child of SaaS, you know, everyone's looking at them. Yeah. Saying, can, you know, they're, they're you know, 18-year-old company and they're still struggling here. Is this, is there a problem with this business model? I don't know that they're struggling. I just think they're, they're using the, the, Creative accounting practices, the tools that are available to them, to to paint the best picture. I mean, they're they're continually well, buying companies, investing in companies. I mean, they're spending money. They're having to. They're having to. They're having to take. What would the number be? Um, let's say last year six billion, ten percent of that six hundred million. So they're having to take six hundred million dollars a year from shareholders to pay their employees. If they weren't if they weren't allowed to do that, that means that they would have. You have to. You have to make up that compensation somehow. So, okay, we're not going to give you stock, so we'll we'll just pay you more, right? Which obviously would make them even less profitable because that's just cold hard cash that they're you know are showing up people's people's paychecks. So, I mean, struggle is a maybe that's too harsh of a word, but when you're 18 years old, an 18 year old company that's been public for 10 years and in your I don't know. I think it's fair word struggling to be profitable or just, I mean, over their lifetime, they basically, I mean, this last quarter was the first time they've pretty much ever had any profit. 
I mean, they, they, they fended off a significant buyout, you know, last year. Okay. There's, there's rumors of another potential buyout with Amazon, which I don't give much credence to, but there's that rumor. Yeah. And I mean, the investor, I mean, the board itself is the one that decides whether or not they're going to sell or not. It's not just one person. It's not just Benioff saying, nope, we're not. So, so right. the board themselves, majority shareholders, are, are saying, yes, this is continuing to work. We think this well, the is going to continue to work. the board isn't necessarily majority share. In fact, it's not majority shareholders. You're right. But the, the investors, the, the majority shareholders get, get a vote in that decision. Right. And, and my, my opinion is that, is that because they've been able to fend off that initial buyout option, mm-hmm. that they still believe in what they're doing. They still believe that there's, there's a chance for profitability, that there's some success here. And then if another buyout rumor that they're able to fend off continues, that you know they're, they're still in good standing. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I, I guess I'm trying to convey that I think the future is hope for Salesforce. Right. Whether it's GAP or non-GAP, whatever the accounting practice they use is, I, I think they're, they're just being really creative with the numbers and they're, they're making it work for them. Yeah. And until some law comes around and, and neuters them, you know, they're, they're going to continue to do that. Right. And, and the good, like I said, the thing is, if, if that law, if, they, if the SEC does make that rule change then everyone's going to have to follow it and everyone's going to look bad after that. You know, it's, it's not going to be just Salesforce. That's why I don't think there's going to be some, you know, precipitous drop of, drop of their stock or anything. You know, it's, it's, it's business and politics that... And I think Salesforce, at their discretion, when they want to, I do think they've got leverage and they could shift over. And they, because they've slowly, slowly migrated into... Um, increasing gross profit margins. There's been a couple of blips. I think two quarters ago where the gross profit margins dropped a little bit. But they've been slowly increasing gross profit margins. They've been cutting, um, cutting relatively speaking, cutting costs. Well, Amazon right. could be another cost-cutting strategy as well. It could be. That could be a part of the plan. But so, it's, so we've seen that this slowly happen. And I, I think that if they really needed to or wanted to, they could dramatically... Uh, increase profitability. I just don't think they want to. I just don't think yeah, Mark I, I, wants I to. I feel yet. the same way. I, I think Salesforce just kind of stopped, you know, heavy heavy spending on marketing, heavy spending on sales, heavy spending on, you know, acquisitions. They could very easily say, oh, we're extremely well, profitable. And you, know, and you know why? Here's the, the reason that they have not switched into profitability mode yet. They haven't exercised that leverage. <clears throat> because they haven't had to. Their stock continues to go up. Yep. Benioff still sells a couple million dollars worth of stock every day. Parker Harris is on automatic um, selling plans. Graham, whatever his name was, is on automatic selling. These, you know, these executives are on, <clears throat> you know, and if the stock is, you know, either holding steady or going up and you've got all these shares and a, it's a part of your compensation on an annual basis that you're getting more shares and you're just selling them as fast as you're getting them to the tune of a couple million dollars a day, then why would you sell again? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, but, and, unless you know, because w- w- if Salesforce ever does decide to, okay, we're going to, you know, let's, let's entertain this offer. You know, Amazon makes an overture. In fact, there's, that's been in the news this past week. What happens when, um, you know, AW or Amazon and Microsoft or whoever start making buyout overtures again? What, what happens? But as soon as Salesforce starts entertaining that, that's when you wonder, is there something they know that we don't know? Is there something, you know, is this harder than what they thought it was going to be? Or are there skeletons in the closet that are going to be too too big to to hide anymore? Yeah, I think the conversation is much more complex than that, though, because I think more than anything, what's more, more than likely going to happen is Benioff will move on to pursue 
his personal pursuits. Are you saying I'm not smart enough to understand the complex situation? No, no, no. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm kidding. When, uh, okay, I, I won't say when. If Benioff decides to move on, it'll create create this uproar in media attention that something is wrong with Salesforce. And Salesforce will have to fight back to say, nope, he just wants to be yeah. the philanthropist that he is. Yeah. You know, and yep. so that'll be a that'll be a, an uphill battle for them. But and it, if they can get past that, then they'll be a much stronger company. Well, for and it. I think that may not be too far away. Remember Benioff's comments yeah. last week about how he's making some personal decisions, like, and then he immediately tries to walk that back. It's like, dude, you just said you're making personal decisions. <laughs> like that, that pretty much means one thing. Well, people are taking that to mean that there's some buyout rumors, but I don't think so. I, I think Salesforce is still strong as a company. I, I I think that if they if they cut some of their growing, it, you know, like you said, switch to profitability mode they could get there and i think that's what investors are seeing is that if they if they switch to profitability mode they'd be profitable and we everyone who's invested will be okay yeah because that's what counts right um but right now they're still focused on growing they still want to they still want to you know build more onto the platform they want to continue to market the platform and just they're enjoying this process yeah. i think and again uh, but, and again and so far wall street has been okay with what they're doing right and, and Benioff has been a, a big part of, of this growth and a big part of the marketing and PR portion oh, of this. Yeah. I think Keith is doing a great job in selling. You know, if if all the credit he's getting for these major sales are really him, yeah. which I believe it is, he's yeah. doing that perfectly. Um, I think Benioff is, is, has let go of the reins enough that he's really distracted by all this other stuff, mm. by the philanthropy by the and it's not a slight against him, I'm just saying from what we see in the media and what's being reported on him he's not talking about the company he's talking about himself and the things that he's doing you know outside of the company yeah um so yeah. <clears throat> i don't know i i think i think the dynamics are changing here i think benioff is is soon to move on in, in terms of handling the reins of the company yeah keith block will take over but i don't i don't i don't lend much credence to the whole aws takeover thing or anything like that Oh, I don't either. I, I, I don't think there's any... I don't think that's happened. There's been no credible rumors or anything. Um, anyway, uh, we, you know, I think we'd be remiss also if we didn't mention that apparently Oracle was accused of cooking their cloud services books. No. Yeah? I Oracle? Shocked, right? Really? Shocked. <laughs> we Some, can't trust companies like Oracle and Microsoft to play by the rules. Who can we trust? But this is one of those things. This is like, you know, Salesforce being sued. So I guess someone quit or got fired. They turn around and sue Salesforce for sexual harassment. Remember those two women in Indiana, of all places? <laughs> oh, yeah, briefly. This is, this sounds something similar. I mean, I, I don't know, but it was it's a former employee mm. who, you know, made this accusation that they're... But it's a federal lawsuit, so who knows, but... Whistleblower? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah exactly. A whistlebl- whistleblower thing. All right, John, let's do Trailhead. Are we doing... Are we ready for Trailhead? Well, there's really not that much here. I mean, I recorded the um, the broadcast thing, the keynote. I guess is that what it was called. I guess. I mean, it was. I'm assuming any event that Benioff speaks at is considered a keynote. I don't know. There were. It, it was really chopped up, though. That you know, there'd be like you know, five minutes of what's the guy's name, Peter, uh, Peter Coffee. You know, ten minutes of Benioff, uh, ten minutes of Alex Dayon, ten minutes of Parker, then Benioff and Parker, and it was really you know segmented up. It was, only, it was about an hour that was that they crammed all those different people into. There were mm. and there were inter, there was um, one where there was a um, a woman being interviewed about uh, this girl's develop it 
organization. And then um, there was another, I think, a woman being interviewed about, um, oh, it was a Zillow. I guess Zillow is using Lightning to build something. So they, but this is all crammed into like this thing. So oh, I was, okay. So my question to you is what, um, what's interesting you out of Trailhead X? I haven't been, f- <laughs> <laughs> I told you earlier, I, I, I kind of <laughs> checked out. I have this mental thing where I don't want to be disappointed. I mean, you didn't look at the news to see if there's no. any great... Okay, here, here's this, my this, theory. Here's my theory on why I checked out. First ever Salesforce developer conference and you don't care? You're like... You... My theory on why I checked out is that I'm way too on the hopeful side that it's a developer conference that's going to be true to developers and I don't want to be disappointed. That word developer, I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. I really don't want to be disappointed. I, I, I feel personally that I have been actively subconsciously avoiding anything trailhead because I don't want to be disappointed. I I have married Salesforce in terms of my of my last what 13 years that we've been doing this. I immerse myself in Salesforce culture and development and the first quote unquote developer conference, I don't want to be disappointed in. I don't want to see that it's a bunch of Citizen developer stuff. I want some developer you, love. This, okay, this, this thing about you not wanting to be disappointed. I mean, what do you? Why does this? Why does it such a big thing in your mind? Why does it have to be such a big thing? It just is what it I is. I know. I know. I know. Listen, I know. Salesforce is continuing to. It's not. It's not what you'd think of as a developer conference. Now it's still happening right now. So we may get some people come back to us and say, "Hey, there was all this like, you know, you can now run Java or you know, or you know, whatever on, and there's all these great tools, and it's fast now, and your tests run fast, and you can." You I'm can, not you so can organize, in, you can, in, in other you know, languages. I'm more interested new... in the fact that we'll get some developer tools that are actually helpful, the useful, without having to pay for them. John, again, that, well, I don't mind paying. No, I, okay. L- let me say this about paying for stuff with Salesforce. It's not so much as a, here's a tool, it costs you know, $1.99 for you to use as, a, as an individual developer. No, I have to go and convince the company that I'm consulting with to go and spend $10, $50 extra a month per user to enable this feature. That sucks. What do you think? Everything should be free? Features should be free? I mean... No. What I'm saying when it comes to developer tools is a different model. Not everyone who's a Salesforce user license is going to be developing stuff. I hate this this oh. model, this subscription model that they've cultivated with the AppExchange where if you buy a tool from AppExchange, it's based on how many users you have in the system. How about value the tool you're tacking onto mm. Salesforce by the value it adds <clears throat> to those users? You sound like one of these Luddites from that first article we talked about. I just, nah, I just, I don't I, like this new model. I don't mind Salesforce dictating the terms of their user model and the pricing of their user they're model. Not, because they're not dictating that. People can sell however they want to. No, right? I'm not saying that. I don't mind Salesforce doing it for their platform. You said they're dictating. You said you don't like Salesforce dictating. No, I said I don't mind them dictating the price per user okay. for their application. Gotcha. But for those that are bolting on applications onto Salesforce, I kind of have a problem with them saying, eh, this is based on how many users you have in Salesforce. Well, for some apps or for services, some apps, it, yes. it makes sense. But it be, it is, for some reason, it's the default yeah. for all of this. Developer tools, all these kind of things oh, that are yeah. specific to a certain niche I mean, it's, it's default. are based on users. It's default to name your company or product something force. Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's, okay, you've got this application that can do development on Salesforce, and you're going to charge me per user in my org, even though I've got 10 developers and, what, 10,000 users? You're going to yeah. charge me for 10,000 users, even though 10... Are going to use Salesforce? Well, but if that or was, develop on Salesforce, okay, and that's obviously would not be a good deal. But if that's the case, they wouldn't be able to sell this, and they would have to change their pricing model, right? I guess. 
Yeah, I, hey, I guess the market will dictate anyway, that. I just, I just see that model. That's the default model for everyone. We're kind of missing the forest for the trees here. The, the, the problem is not the way that some third party prices their developer tool. The problem is, is that I don't care who's developed. You know, you can take all these third party developers you want. The problem is they're all fundamentally constrained by the, the same uh, limits properties of of the Salesforce platform, right? I guess from that standpoint, I could see it. But I have seen... Um, so, well, here's... Oh, let's talk about tools because um, I heard Adam Seligman. Um, you know who he is? Mr. Adam Seligman? Hi, everybody. Uh, yeah. That guy. Hi, everybody. Yeah. He's made the soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> You've made it when you made yeah, the good days for oh, exactly. soundboard. Yeah. <laughs> he's now famous. Um, he said that uh, we're going to get an update to the Eclipse IDE. That's cool because I don't use the Eclipse ID anymore. <laughs> it's gonna although it's although gonna, it's going to support I will, Lightning. I will because yeah, I did read that part and it, or I hear about that part. I will because it does support Lightning because I hate what I have to do today, which is use the freaking developer console to do Lightning. Do you really have to use the developer console? I guess I have not found a way. To, I have not explored enough to find a way to get it to work with Maven, but. Those, there's every it, every lightning stuff I've done has been in the developer console and I hate it. There I are, hate the developer console. There are two pieces of software that I avoid using at all costs. One of them is Eclipse. Not necessarily Salesforce's plugin plug into it, just Eclipse in general. And the other one is the Salesforce developer console. Yeah. These I, things are terrible. I have to use it for logs. I have to use it for I don't. I go into setup logs. No, I mean, set for, up debug logs. for live monitoring, if yeah, I if I, I do something, I do use it for you know that. What, I, I, you know what I do for live monitoring? I hit refresh, John. <laughs> <laughs> on the setup debug logs, I hit refresh. It's just better. It's a better experience. As sad as that it's is, it's not. It's because yes, you get a full text representation of it. At least with the developer console, I can open up my class and I can do debug only, and it at least filters things down, so I can only see my debug statements, user debug. So I at least get get it filtered well, down. Well, now to Salesforce my stuff. did give you more granular logging levels now, and they actually work because because for the first about sixteen and a half years of Salesforce's life, those. <laughs> the debug logs were basically broken. Yeah. It's getting better. I mean, I they're still broken, some, but broken in some, a different way now. It, logging is inching its way. It's it's, it's a little inchworm going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, it, but, yeah. but the problem well, is, the reason we get so frustrated is it's inching towards feature parity with what we've had for years with, with other development tools in terms of logging and, you know, stack tracing and all that kind of stuff. It's just... It's like going back in time, I guess. That's the frustrating part is that you're used to these other tools that do one thing and then you go to Salesforce and it doesn't. So here here are some of my notes I, I took when I listened to and listened back to this keynote. Uh, everyone, and I, you know, I was thought about clipping some of these because they're, some of them truly are entertaining, but I don't know, I was like, yeah, you can go watch it if you want to. Um, everyone can be a developer by doing Trailhead. If you want to become a developer, just do Trailhead. Sure. Trailhead is how you can verify your credentials. Sure. This is how you can prove that you know your stuff. Uh, no. no. <laughs> Tell me. Trailhead changes lives and careers. Sure. Okay. Trailhead is something we all have an interest and a passion for. No. Uh, it transcends... Tr- John, Trailhead is so amazing. It transcends all walks of life. Ages, races, and genders. (laughs) (laughs) 
You think okay. I? You, okay. okay. Do you realize I'm not making this up? I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> say no, but I think I know what they mean in that it's a computer program that I has mean, no bias. Yeah, because I mean I don't know about you, but I I you know my code's pretty racist. Yeah, I'm just it's a <laughs> it's a computer program that has no bias. So and I've seen I, your code. It is very sexist. <laughs> <laughs> I know my my. My, you my your, naming conventions you your, the are way very you stick, misogynist. The way you stick those curly brackets out there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> my naming conventions. You, I, I, I'm, I avoid females, female superlatives. Yeah. Is, that, is that? I guess. Hey, at least we don't speak a what are the a language that has um, gender built into like Spanish or like the Latin languages or whatever. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but we do have things like like mailman. Or, or there's just some words that are... Man, now what's, what's we think we have a bad here in the States with English. Imagine Spanish-speaking countries oh, where there's, an, there's a difference. There's a different word for like the female version and the male version. Well, most of the words, most words are like most nouns, things like this, you know, a power adapter. Like that's either going to be masculine or feminine. Well, we determine that. I mean, we, we call our I car... Know, I know. We can name our car, you know, Joe or Susie. But no, but I'm saying that in Spanish, like computer, computadora, right? That's that's a that's feminine. The computers are feminine, is it? And that's probably sexist. I'm sure someone, you know, I see. I don't think the Latin culture, though. I don't think they are nearly into all this um, hypersensitivity about um, the gender thing. It might not be. Could be wrong. I mean, here I, I, I'm, I, just, I'm a, I just never <laughs> thought of that. I mean, I'm so concerned about how the PC culture that, that we have here in English speaking world that I never really thought about. Yeah. Other languages that actually have a distinctive language around femin- you know, that, feminine and non-feminine. I, I don't think it's as big of a deal to them. Well, let's see. Um, you should be, quote, an amazing trailblazer, John. Oh, here's another one. Yes, you should be. We'll write the CSS for you. Oh, no. I like that. Never mind. No. Yeah. No, that's good enough, John. It's just no. uh, tons and tons and tons and tons of clicks, not code. Well, I, okay, going code. back to the CSS thing. Tons of clicks. In order to get the Salesforce look and feel for Lightning, because they're no longer ha- holding your hand in UI style user experience, that's all out the window. There's 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 very few shortcut commands that says, hey, render this list like a Lightning list. No, it's here's my UL, here's my LI, here's my tag, mm-hmm. my class name. Right. And you can choose your own class name, or you can use SLDS dash whatever to make it look like Lightning. Right. They're no longer holding your hand, which I think is good. But for some people, that's going to be a, a a big switch. So have they solved this problem of let's say I want to write something and make it look like what use the what is it called this um, Lightning Lightning Design System? Design, yeah, design System. So I'm going to be I'm going to have you know I guess markup that that is influenced by their CSS, right? And then right. I can also do my own CSS. Right. But that assumes that their CSS is static and it's never going to change, right? Yes and no. They okay. they have added... What what they produce for you or what they recommend you use is this their SAS classes, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that within it has its own deprecation stuff yeah. so that when you compile, it should give you warnings back and saying, hey, this class is deprecated that you're trying to use. Mm. Um. Well, that's good. I mean, at least they're, at least they're trying to prov- provide you with a way to do it. I mean, it might not be perfect, but right. at least like, hey, use our SaaS. But it's it's a it's a switch for a lot of developers that are used to being developers and not really caring too much about the CSS, other than to, you know, 
make something look some some right. certain way. They're not user experience designers. They're not UI designers. You know, that's a that's a tough skill set for a developer to really get into to hybridize to say that I'm I'm good at development and I'm good at UI. You know, that, know. That, that's There's, that's kind of tough. You know, a lot of front end front end engineers that would argue with you to say okay. that's just part of my that's that's actually my job. <laughs> and you know what? Let me say this. <clears throat> okay. I'm gonna put I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bold statement and I'm sorry for anyone I offend. Within the Salesforce ecosystem, you're gonna be hard pressed to find someone who's good at both development and user experience. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that. And, and if I would love for the community to prove me wrong, but from what I've seen there's some pretty ugly stuff out there as even with app exchange developers or you know third party developers who should have someone on their team who's good at UI making stuff. Yeah. It's ugly out there people. Oh, just wait till you see their code. I'm just saying. So so it, it is a certain skill set because it's a different mindset to design something is, and right. to take that time. Not only time, I mean because it is hours, it's time. It's it's, right. it's almost intangible the amount of time it takes to design something. To design the placement of a button or a picture or a header or something, you know, it takes time. You yep. go through iterations. Yeah. And it's not tangible because the end result looks simple. It's like, oh, this looks clean and simple. Why did it take <clears throat> you 50 hours to get there or 10 hours, whatever? Right. What point was I trying to make? Well, no, I think you, you had a good point buried in there, which was that um, there are, there's no such thing as, and again, God, this goes back to the terminology. There's no, there's really no such thing as like some g- generic developer. Like, there's guys that are really badass at low level. Yeah, low level. Let's say, um, really assembly code. I mean, exactly, or, or um, operating system level stuff. Yeah. Um, they, you know, there's guys that are really good at front end development. They're they're just great with JavaScript and CSS and SVG and like there's you know this whole world of front end development that's just yeah. kind of exploded. There's guys that are great at just like, you know, businessy uh, server the server side part of it and everything. Right. And they're generally, I mean, you know, there's this idea of a full stack developer, but even that is just brushing so much under the rug. It's like, okay, well, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's tough to be master of all. Uh, yeah, exactly. it really is. Um, and even Salesforce has recently recognized that with splitting out their architecture certifications, which we never talked about. But yeah, they split out their architecture. You can now specialize in things. But I, th- I think overall, Lightning as a technology is going to change or has to change the way partners and companies really think about these applications that they're building, these components they're building, because there is such a new focus on user experiences, a whole new focus on a different skill set required because Salesforce isn't holding your hand anymore. They're not saying, here's a, here's a data table. It looks like Salesforce Lightning. Here's a header that looks like Salesforce Lightning. Is that what Lightning components do, though? No. Lightning components are container. Have you seen the new components? Well, they have some components. The direction they're going? I mean, you don't think they're going to have those types of things? I think they will because the community is asking for it because, again, we have people who are trying to service this who don't know that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think ultimately the, the inception of the idea is that they wouldn't be doing that anymore because it locks them in. I mean, think about all the split and everything they took with Apex and Visual Force, actually Visual Force, in terms of the lock-in they had with HTML5, and now you have that different context, and then you have all these attributes that you can now do, but you can't do in Apex because it validates that code. So you can't put arbitrary attributes into your Apex code. You're, 
That's true. I mean, I see what you're saying, but uh, even even with lightning, you're still you are still locking yourself into a lot of things. Mm, no, <clears throat> you're not. How how are you not? Because the lightning. Well, first lo- of all, you're running it on a someone's proprietary runtime that you guarantee that's only can only be run by one company. So, no lock in number one. No, that's only if you choose to design it that way. How do you run your lightning components? How do you run your Lightning app on something other than Salesforce? Can other people run your Lightning app on things other than Salesforce? Sure. Because Lightning at that point is just a container. It's JavaScript. You're really having to twist it's yourself JavaScript. into a pretzel to it's make this JavaScript argument. It's JavaScript that's calling other JavaScript code in JavaScript controllers, in JavaScript helper methods, and you can choose to attach that to an Apex controller for the API. So, so you're, not, you're not coupling yourself to... Anything provided from Salesforce when you create Lightning? Not really, unless you choose to. I could write straight up HTML markup and host my little tiny component within your page. Yet I could take that HTML markup and put it somewhere else and it's portable. As long as I don't tie myself to any standard components, as long as I don't tie myself to the Apex controller for API access to the database, meaning I can make service callouts to other systems using Ajax. Yeah. As long as I don't do those things, it's fairly portable. But then you would have an app that does nothing. No, because I mean, there's other companies out there that that their technology actually is hosted by them mm-hmm. and service. Think of Google Maps. I mean, it's not like Salesforce has a Google Map component server running inside of Salesforce. It's all API call-outs to Google Maps. Right. So if you think of it from that terms, <laughs> the code that displays the map is universal. It's a markup that says, here's my, here's where you put the map. Here's my JavaScript code that says, I mean, here's I guess, the, I guess the, what you're the coordinates is to get. You could technically re-implement all the backend stuff if you wanted to and off of Salesforce. I mean, you could. I mean, for, for most third-party applications, they have their own <clears> infrastructure <throat> where they're building their own business logic, rule logic, whatever, their IP, basically. So I have a related question for you on this, though. So... Although uh, I guess I'll grant you, I think I think you have to really stretch that argument to make it, but it is what it is, right? <laughs> th- have you seen context matters? Consider, considering that number one, you actually can run Lightning on other um, off of the Salesforce platform, and considering that Aura has is a is an open source product that's been around for a while, can you name um, any you know any site or any product or anything that that's using the Aura framework? Tell me, tell me about Aura's uptake in the JavaScript framework marketplace. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I can't answer that without caveats. Okay. Because the, the Aura framework does get you that entry point into the Lightning application and the Lightning component. I'm doing air quotes here, yeah. people. You can't see it, <laughs> but I am. That creates the container, the infrastructure that says, hey, I'm Lightning. Mm-hmm. Hey, display me on your page. Here's what you need to know about me to display me on your page. Yeah. But once you get past those container levels, it's just JavaScript and right. HTML. Right. And you can do whatever you want to do. And I want to know what people are doing with it. This great technology Salesforce has created. I don't know yet. I can tell you what I'm doing with it. Okay, tell me. No, I want to know. I'm saying examples <laughs> that aren't of people that have taken Aura and thought, wow, this is a great JavaScript framework that Salesforce created. I'm going to go build something with it. But I, I, I think of Aura as separate because it, it facilitates some of the... Isn't that what Lightning's built on? No. 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 What? Well, kind of. Go, go look at their GitHub repo. They're, this is what it's built on. Kind of. 
it's it's hard for me to explain it. It's this framework that says yes, this is what identifies lo- you as I a love lightning watching component. You squirm like this. I know. I'm having a hard time making my argument. Maybe yeah, it's that's fine. Let's maybe move it's on. too much of this. No, just, <laughs> Let me just say this before you move on and dismiss my whole thing as I'm some ramblings. No. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, you have to have some some kind of known interface that says, "I know how to interact with you, and I know you. I know you're." You're kind of pre-authorized know, to be you, within my environment, okay. so to speak. Yeah, okay. I know about you. I know how to work with you. Yeah. It's like bringing you into one of my projects. I know you and your skill set and everything. I know how to interface yeah. with you. Right. And that's to you're me, was what components. The, yeah. And so that's what the Aura framework does. It, mm-hmm. it, it says, here's an application or here's a component, sometimes both. And, he, and so I know how to work with that part of you. So I'm going to take you and embed you in my page because I know how to work with that part. Yeah. Whatever you do internally, I don't care about other than the whole namespacing thing and security controls that they put into it from getting, preventing you from accessing other components within the page itself. But beyond that, you know, any kind of web services calls you want to make, you can do any kind of UI changes or whatever you want to do, you can do because all I care about is that container. Yeah. Is to know that you fit within my model. Yeah. That's again. A component, so from that a component perspective, with a known interface. From right? that perspective, Lightning is far more flexible than, than Apex and Visual Force could ever be. Well, because with Visual Force, you have to have Salesforce's runtime in order to render, right. render them. And in some cases, you have to have an Apex form. But I wanna, You can't have multiple but forms. Let me ask you this. Uh, related, but different question than what I've asked so far is, let's say you're, you're on an airplane with no internet access or you're in the mountains or something. Can you, can you just put your... Lightning, all your Lightning app in kind of an offline mode and, and still run it, or does it really require Salesforce in order to run? Considering that Lightning is, or I'm sorry, Salesforce is your entry point, it's 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 no different than a portal. I mean, can, you have to get to the portal to get to the there's, component. You, there's no like, you can't put a, like a local host, a, a hosting container or something. No. Yeah. Okay. We should move on because we got more stuff to get to. There's a new debugger. Oh, there's a new compiler. I heard about that. The partial compiler. That's I don't understand partial compiling. Listen, if they if they if I can compile a ten line Apex class in less than fifteen seconds, I'll be I'm happy. If that's what partial compi- compiling gets me, I I don't know what it means. I don't understand what that means. Not either. Does that just mean like linting or something? I don't... I, I didn't. It's kind of like they they dropped that and then ran off. They didn't say anything else about it. <laughs> like, I'm just going to leave yeah. this here. You 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 make of it what you want. <laughs> yeah. um, there's a new debugger. But I have actually had that in quotes because they announced it like it's new, but I think it's actually just the one that they announced, what is it, two years ago and then last year Dreamforce became GA or whatever. Oh, the whole uh, breakpoint debugger thing that you can do? Yeah. Um, and now I think we've reached the um, you know holy trinity of the Salesforce platform. They are <laughs> they're mobile first, they are API first, and they are now AI first. Wow. And again... First, I don't think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> that should be on the soundboard. It should be. We don't have enough Princess Bride references on here. It's, that... a, it's a three-way tie between them. They do them all first at the exact same time. Because I, here's what I think should be on the soundboard. Inconceivable. <laughs> I don't think that word means what you think it means. Or you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think right. it means. And um, my name is Diego Montoya. Okay. <laughs> you killed my father. <laughs> well, John, why don't you get me some clips then? I'll put them on the soundboard for you, okay? All right. That'll be your homework. <laughs> um, yeah, there was, um, there was some live entertainment at, uh, at 
Trailhead X. We yeah, had, heard uh, uh, Apex and the Limits yeah, were there. Would you like to hear some Apex and the Limits? Yeah, let's hear All some right. Apex and the Limits. Come on, it's a party. We know you know this one. All you service folks my best folks my, my boy dance. <laughs> I'm doing my Carlton. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <That's nice. laughs> That's Rachel Rogers, a MVP. Actually, I think they're all MVPs. Probably so. Yeah. I mean, you can't be that much of a Salesforce uh, <laughs> zealot and not be an MVP. This is like an admin song, I guess. Give me with your best case. Switch from like pop to country yeah, in the second verse. Why don't you hit me with your best case? Oops, that's, that's for later. Let's get social. Social. <laughs> social media. That's my, you know what? That's gonna be stuck in my head. That's still stuck in my head, by the way. Uh, sorry. Uh, let's. Here's another one. The band sounds pretty good, I think. Yeah, because it's sampled. Oh, is it really? Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's not a band? I'm, I'm confused. I think they're lip sync. No, like one of the guys that I know of can play guitar. Listen. Trailhead action. Because I try. And I try. Trailhead action. And I try. And I try. Uh, I thought it was a band. Dang it! Well, no, they are a band, but I think in this because I saw pictures, I saw some some pictures, and I believe they were just lip singing through all this. So it's hmm. actual kind of just well, background they, music. They weren't lips; they were singing. They right, were singing, yeah. but the background music I think was played for them. Yeah. And isn't it uh, some kind of irony that the name of that band is Apex and the Limits? Like. That's the, the the limits of Salesforce are such as the prominent part of the eco, of the of the experience <laughs> that <laughs> you know you you cut your teeth your teeth on uh, the limits of Salesforce. You come in with yeah. ideas of grandeur. You're in the cloud. <clears throat> you're, you're that guy that's in the cloud building whatever he wants to build, and, and then, then and then you hit save and you get and you get this limit. And, and then like, then you realize that the chatter feed is a big lie. <laughs> <laughs> and so cynical. You just wasted about fifty thousand dollars of development. <laughs> what fifty? You are all expensive. That? Yeah. Well, <laughs> a lot of time. All right. I have some. Oh, this is okay. So this is the. You know, what, the what's the, the other group? This is the. What's the other group, by the way? The, the one, one that Shell played with. I don't know. Do they have a name? It's the Clouds. I think. Is it the Clouds? I don't know. It's the Clouds. We we should we should form our own band. You think so? But what doing what? I don't know. You play I mean, tr- you play trumpet. I play guitar. I know, but I mean, if we shell do- plays bass, we need someone who can sing. I don't know. Does shell sing? I, I mean, I sing, but I sound pretty good in my shower. But I'm I've sure. heard you sing. It's kind of annoying <laughs> yeah, sometimes. You know, I'm sure I don't know is. if that's like you just playing singing. Like I'm going to pretend to be bad at singing, or you're just really that bad. I'm going to say I was pretending to be bad. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know what you're talking about. No. Actually, I don't think you're that bad, actually. <laughs> All right. You like those high notes, though. <laughs> you get into your glee phase, and you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's the whiskey talking. I don't think I've heard that song on Glee before, John. I've seen a few episodes. I don't remember that song. <laughs> You know what? I've never seen an episode of Glee. You've seen all of them, and that's oh, whatever. Telling. I've not seen all the episodes. <laughs> how would you even know? You stalk, you peeping in you my come window. In talking about how you watched the last episode of Glee. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. so awesome, and they did this yeah. Madonna thing, and you're like, woo. Yeah. All right, you and your Kardashians. I don't watch Kardashians. Whatever. All right. Okay, so this is the, you know, the pre-prepared, I love that word because it makes no sense, package, you know, the fancy, super uh, smoke and mirrors, Dog and Pony Show package with all the, oh, you know, looks like it was produced by some film filmmaker. Every once in a while, a group of individuals find each other and create something bigger than themselves. We've seen it all throughout history. In all species, in all walks of life, in every corner of the world. Despite their differences, values align, purpose aligns. The why we're all here together aligns. And these individuals all blaze a new trail together. It's something that we all have an interest and a passion for, and that can bond anyone. Today, we see it in all of you. In me? Really? We see it every Saturday when all of you gather to learn and share the experience of developing together. We see it around the world where people from all walks of life, all ages, and all races are finding incredible new opportunities You're and white, new careers. And, and they, we're really, developing they, together, they Jeremy. To, I know. It's we a, represent this. Oh, let's hug, John. Can I hold your hand? <laughs> let's develop it. Let's sing Kumbaya. Thank you guys so much for <laughs> changing my career and changing my life. We see it in the eyes of children that look into a screen and build the confidence to shape And this their... is where they show the video of all the, the women looking glowingly up upwards, you know? Oh. I thought they were talking about Minecraft, because that's all my daughter does. <laughs> if, if you're talking technology, screen, and build, that's all my daughter's doing is Minecraft. All right, now this next one, I have to get some things ready to make this funny. All right. All right, I, I got But that's the end of the video? I was getting so uh, hopeful and encouraged. I, I think I cut it off or something. I think I felt myself raising out of my chair. <laughs> I was so inspired. I saw your desk coming up, but I wasn't sure what that was. <laughs> oh, that was uh, something else. Sorry. I'll have to sit John's getting excited. Um, okay, this was funny. So this I have to set this up a little bit. So this is like towards the beginning of Mark's talk. And they they were, you know how there was these watch parties? I think, you know, Salesforce set those up and they put set up webcams and they had feeds coming from them all over. So he would... I think they were sponsoring some of them. I'm sure they are. I'm sure you... I think like you, you can get yeah, you can sign up as an, Yeah, you can sign up Why as an official... Why do we do that? I blame you. Or wait a minute. That would have been awesome because... Am I the producer? Or are you the producer? I don't know. I don't think we're co-producers, aren't we? Oh. Well, then we both failed. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um, Benioff was like... He was doing shout-outs to all of them and and he would say, London or whatever. And then, you know, you, they would they would um, cut oh, over... it could have been Dallas. I know, exactly. They would they cut over. No, he, he could have said, good day, Sir Studios. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would have been awesome. But incredible, could, and then you know, they, and then all the guys at London would you know would jump up and scream and everything, and then they get to, I guess you pronounce it Hyd- Hyderabad, which oh. is a, it's a city in India, and this this is funny. Good, good, all right, Hyderabad, hello, Hyderabad, stand up and tell us so you can hear us. 
Can you hear us, Hyderabad? Hello? Was Hyderabad. there a delay? <laughs> like they weren't hearing him? Hyderabad! Them? I mean, We're talking to you! Yeah. <laughs> Stand up! Now, Amsterdam! Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Great. <laughs> Bueller. Bueller. Now, I will say Bueller. I did see a picture. Then, I think uh, hang of. On. I got this other one, dude. I don't uh, know if you know this from it. Please clap. Do you know what that's from? <laughs> please clap. <laughs> it was before Jeb Bush dropped out of the race. Oh, that's he right. He gave some. He was giving some speech, and he had this like really long line prepared about how he was going to do all these great things, and he tried to finish it with a crescendo, and then no one claps, and so he says, "Please clap." <laughs> oh. <clears throat> Hi, everybody. Yeah. Okay. So I think this was Hyderabad that I saw this picture from posted everywhere. And I don't think it's that hard to find. And everyone's standing and everyone's smiling. But if you look at that picture and you go to the far left, there's a guy at the end who looks like he wants to murder me. I don't know why. Really? Everyone else is smiling, but he's got this look like he's just like angry, just looking. I don't know. That's just like his standard normal face. But everyone else is smiling and happy, and and <laughs> he was not. He wasn't. He wasn't uh, drinking the Kool Aid, was he, John? I'll try to find. I, I know it's on Twitter. I've, <clears throat> I've seen it on Twitter, so I'll try to find it and put it in the show notes. So you can you can see what I'm talking about. But everyone else is smiling for some reason. He's looking at the camera, kind of angry. It's like he's doing his NWA face or something. <clears throat> All right. So this next one is a is a test. This is a test, John. You have to figure out what's wrong with this. Okay. I failed. <laughs> And I'll tell you, you're part of one of the most incredible ecosystems of developers in the world, probably the fastest growing uh, developer community in the world now with over 2.8 million Salesforce developers. It's up to 2.8. Ooh, ooh, ooh. my answer is 2.8 million is wrong. <laughs> well, okay, you have to listen to the rest oh, of it. Building Sorry. applications on the Salesforce platform, pretty exciting. And look at that hockey stick graph over the last six years. Isn't that incredible? And I know you guys are living it, but it's just awesome. Okay. A hockey so stick. Here, now here's later. Okay. This, this game later. Pretty awesome. Okay. Well, everyone here is going to be able to participate on Trailhead and get badges and learn all about this incredible new platform. And IDC just said that there's going to be a million jobs available for Trailblazers. A million jobs. So what's the, what's the fundamental problem here? That there's 2.8 million developers and there's a million more jobs to fill? There's, no, there's 2.8 million developers, but there's only a million jobs. No, because 2.8 million already have jobs. No, so a million, that's not what they said. There, there, will be, there will be 1 million Salesforce-related jobs. But there are 2.8 million developers vying for those jobs. <laughs> All right, John. You failed. <laughs> <laughs> I think your questioning is flawed. That could be. <clears throat> this was um, uh, the faux pas. Actually, there were two faux pas. We are about growth. We are about innovation. And we indeed, we are about equality. Okay, maybe I have to set this up. Um, there was a, I mentioned a minute ago, there was a woman from GDI, uh, Girls Develop It, I think is what it's called for. Hmm. Or what it's called. And it's, um, I guess they have chapters and, you know, they get, I don't know, help, Girls help women. It. I kind of like that name. GDI. Anyway, so she gets up there and, you know, whatever. Talking about how great Salesforce is and he was talking about how great she is and, and how they have this mutual, you know, they're both social justice warriors and all that stuff. And everything we do at Salesforce is built on those core core values, and you represent that. So I just wanted to award you with a medal, actually. Oh, wow. Oh, and here she is, Vanna White. Thank you, Vanna. Vanna White? Yeah. And what? Why? 
Now, Vanna White was the woman who was forced to stand at the back and turn the things and not say anything. <laughs> this is not a good representation of women. This is, that's, I'm sure that person didn't appreciate that. <laughs> you know she doesn't have to do that anymore? Well, because I think they... Like, I mean, it's all digital now, so yeah. she doesn't really have to go and turn anything. She just touches them. Yeah. But that's kind of you like... You think that does anything? No, I don't think it does. I no. think it's all just superficial for her part. You because know she's such an I Because to her credit, she's such an icon to the show. You can't think right. of Pat and Vanna not being on right. that show. Like, right. it just wouldn't exist without yeah. them. Oh, yeah, there'd be, you know, uh, rights in the street if you took her off. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Plus, I mean, she was... Hot. I mean, oh, I don't God, say. God, I'm going to have to bleep that, John. <laughs> You're not allowed to say that. But she's, she uh, is. She's Vanna um, White. No, it reminds me of um, the how in the news, like, you know, the news now they have um, the giant, supposedly these giant touchscreen things, and they'll literally walk up to the sink and like, oh, to, like no. pat it. And it's I, so annoying. I think those are fake. Actually, I think there's someone in the control room that's like just waiting for them. Yeah, to- yeah, exactly. I think it's just all BS. Uh, okay, here's another one. And then we have all these apps. You have all of these engagements, uh, and you're moving on. I believe we're talking about IoT here and and data, lots of data. How do you handle these massive streams of data? You know, you sort of multiply the number of apps, and they're all devices and sensors hooked up. You're now moving to a world sort of far beyond traditional relational databases can manage. You're moving to a world of streams. And our Thunder IoT cloud technology that we released last Dreamforce is an extraordinary foundation for you. Gives you really productive tools to start working with these stream-based primitives in a very easy declarative way. And we're going to show you that. I just have to buzz that because this is one of my, this is just one of the many shortcomings of the Salesforce platform, especially if you're an actual developer is there really are no, there's no streams. Like, let's say you want to um, parse or, or output a 250 megabyte CSV file in Apex. Can't do it, right? Because you got to load the whole thing into memory because there's no, there's no stream. There's no streaming uh, library in Apex. You're talking about output. This is talking about input. I'm talking about either. There are, there's no streams. The new IoT cloud is built on AWS. No, and that can stream. no, they'll they'll do the streams for you. You don't worry your pretty little coding fingers with those. They'll handle that for you. You still aren't going to get streams in Apex. Agreed. You're still going to have to load that whole thing into memory. So how much memory? What do you get? Six? How much? How much? <laughs> how much heap do you get? <laughs> well, that, that's the problem. Is is <clears throat> the tooling itself that they're they're going to layer on it may provide that, but is it going to do everything you want to do? And if it doesn't do what you want to do, are we going to have some kind of triggering mechanism, event system, that will allow us to interact with that I don't stream? Know. Yeah. That's I mean, the bigger question. You know, they say they've got customers on their IoT now. I mean, it, Yeah, it, but I mean, those are going to be built for their purposes. Yeah. It's going to be built for that demo know. factor. It's going to be built for, for their use I'm, case. I'm and if their a, use case isn't <clears throat> your use case, how do we as developers help you get your use case into the system? I'm just a mere uh, plebeian developer. That's, yeah, that's a great term. Plebeian? Yeah. Define plebeian. Uh, we need we need an Amazon. Uh, Define. We need an echo in here. However, <laughs> <laughs> belonging to the commoners of ancient Rome. A what? A plebeian. Plu, plebeian. I don't know how people say this. I always say plebeian. <clears throat> a commoner. That's an ancient Roman term for a commoner. Oh, so plebe. So I'm just, okay. I'm just a. I'm, <laughs> Isn't that funny? I know plebe, but I don't know plebeian. I think plebe is actually a, a, it's a non-official shortening of it. Yeah, right? I think so. But I know plebe registers in my head as as that. But plebeian did not register at all. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a plebeian developer. 
Yeah, um, Lieb. So, I, so I don't get I don't get access. I'm just a mere plebeian, so I don't get access to the um, what do you call it? IoT, right? Well, none of us have access to it, do we? Uh, oh no, some customers do. They, there's customers running it, just not you. All right, good day, Sir Army. If you have access to the IoT cloud, yeah, <laughs> let us know. Tell us about it because I'm curious. I, you know what? It's the right thing for them. Maybe so. Like I said in previous episodes, I understand IoT now. I, I understand it from a services perspective. I understand it from a perspective of a company offering a service and augmenting that service with some kind of device that they manage, that you that you pay them to manage. They still have and it. from that, a stream <clears throat> of information will come. But how are they going to manage that information? They can either home grow that system um, I got, or I got they could use a system like Salesforce to help them manage that. I didn't mean to get into IoT. I'm still on the plebeian rat hole. It's, is it plebs? Here. This was... <laughs> plebes. Oh, plebes. That's a different word. And then you have this word. Plebeianism. Whoa. <laughs> oh, here we go. Plebeian. Plebeian. Oh, Wow. Okay. Probably right. tell our pleb, SAT scores and vocabulary are pretty low. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. Here's the, here's our second faux pas. I, I think that's how you say it anyway. <laughs> Another Latin word. Field, which would, would be awesome. Would you like to sing a song, a Lenny Kravitz song? No, I really would not. Okay. <laughs> I dress yeah. up in costumes. You could at least sing. Yeah. Well, that's Parker, you know, right? I've always thought of you as the American woman, so there we go. Oh. What? You're not allowed to say that. Parker, let that slide. I, I mean, I think that's, I mean, it's kind of funny, but I think you're not supposed to laugh at that. Oh, I'm not? No. Why do you call him an American woman? Back yeah, here at the Warfield, which would, would be awesome. Would you like to sing a song, a Lenny Kravitz song? No, I really would not. Okay. <laughs> I dress yeah. up in costumes. You could at least sing. Yeah, well, you know, I've always up? thought of you as the American woman, so. No, he's not dressed up. You step out it again, exact same point. <laughs> You could at least say, yeah. well, you know, I've always thought of you as the American woman. So, <laughs> Okay, so the question is, John, and ask John here, what does he mean by that? Oh, I think he's trying to make a bad joke about a, a well-known Lenny Kravitz song. Yeah, right, but he was saying... Yeah, Based it, on, yeah, a, on a very, I'd say, chauvinistic masculine movie. The first movie. thing I thought was, he, was that a reference to like sexual orientation? Or to Parker's... Um, what do you call it? Attributes or I mean, what was that? I don't think. Is there something I don't know? <laughs> I think you were read way too much into that. He, he, he said he always thought of me as an American yeah, woman. Well, okay, you know, so Lenny Kravitz. I know the song, John. No, you don't tell me. I'm just saying Lenny Kravitz is a niche market in terms of popularity. He How was did, he became really famous right. when the because of the Austin Powers stuff, in which case he covered American Woman, right? And so I think Benioff was completely unaware of Kalani Kravitz's uh, work. And the only thing he could call back to is is a Austin Powers movie where he did this popular song called American Woman, which was a cover. I think it's more of a sign of Benioff's ignorance of Lenny Kravitz <clears throat> than an indication of, of anything he was saying about Ben Parker. Not only did you go into some weird place, but you, you ruined it again, John. How did I ruin it? Because Mark just called... Said he oh, he thinks of 
someone as a man as the as an American woman. Well, in this day and age, you can be whatever you, can't you want. Say maybe, that, maybe Parker's like, you, I'm an American woman. From now on, you refer to me as an American well, that's woman. That's true. But he hasn't. That's de- the day and age we're in right he now. He hasn't declared that identity, to my knowledge. That, then my question is: Is Mark telling us something that the world doesn't know yet? <laughs> no, <laughs> I think it's just Benny Off and his <clears throat> bad joke because yeah. he only knows one song that Kravitz ever did. Man. And Appar- he paid him. Okay, let me let me just say this. Apparently, San Francisco is not as politically correct as I thought it was. Well, whatever Benioff says goes. I, I know he's the kingpin. He of, he's the kingpin of San Francisco. <laughs> he's the model. Daredevil um, is about <clears throat> him and and some other guy. <laughs> so that's um yeah that's all my funny stuff about. Trailhead. That's it. That's the end of it. That's I mean, all there was. From- a oh, bunch there was, of jokes. There was a, There's no major announcements there was from a, Trailhead. A lightning locker service, so no one steals your lightning bolts. A locker service. Yeah. Is that the locker service I was talking about with <clears> the namespacing? <throat> That's not about anyone stealing your bolts. It's about. Well, I guess it is. But let's let's go back to this 2.8 million developers things again. I mean, first of all, <laughs> Salesforce gets a lot of press <laughs> coverage, analyst coverage nowadays. Why does no. anyone call them on this? Because they don't know. They don't care. Stack Overflow. The entire worldwide Stack Overflow has 5 million users. 32,000 of them are remotely active. And there are 40,000 users with 2,000 rep or more. Two, or sorry, 40,000 users. What's your rep? Like 8 eight or 9,000 something? I don't know. I'm trying to remember what my rep <clears> is. <throat> I was competing with you for a rep. But you know what happened so, to me? Tangent. I mean, I, I think this 2.8 million is, is more than an order of magnitude off. It's just not even remotely close. This is ridiculous. That's because they're still muddying the term of developer. No, I don't think there's 2.8 million admins and developers combined. You don't think so? But don't they have 150,000 customers? They could have multiple admins. A, a big enterprise company could have upwards of, of 100 admins. I know. And this gets back to, like, are they counting the number of developer orgs that have ever been created? Are they counting the number of user licenses that have system administrators as the, as the profile? I mean, what what are they? All right. I'm, a, I'm, it's, it's, it's I'm obviously at a measly, an absurd number. I'm it's at a measly 1,071 ranking on Stack Overflow. I'm a noob. <laughs> but you know what happened to me is I was really big on contributing on the Salesforce questions, but then they split it off to the Stack Exchange, which has its own rating. I never made it really over to the Salesforce Stack Exchange. I think I was just too either I just my at habits, that point. I think I got really busy, <clears> and I was just like, I can't keep this up. Just, I can't keep doing this. And I honestly, I mean, I, there's I think the good arguments for and against it, but I mean, I wasn't happy about my Salesforce development things being segregated off to this other side. Like, I just want to... But Stack did that to themselves. Oh, I agree. No, they petitioned and filed the papers and all that. I mean, Matt, yeah. Matt Lacey, I think, was the one who was headed that up. Mm. I think even vo- I even voted for it. <laughs> I did signed you? up as like, a, you know, a inaugural member or whatever. <laughs> I, just, I just didn't end up really using it because just habitually, I just go to Stack Overflow and that's, I don't know. I'm, I'm at a measly 191 on... The Salesforce stack. I don't know exchange. if I have anything on, on Stack Exchange. <laughs> <clears throat> Props to anyone who's who's in there contributing and everything, because I do find things, questions and issues I have on that site, but I've just been too busy to contribute. All right, I got one more thing, it's, and it's news. 
and then we can either wrap it up or you can follow up with whatever you want. The beginning of rolling economic sanctions against Indiana. Mark, you're the CEO of a huge, huge tech company. What do... So this is when Salesforce, the the RIFRA law, the discriminate, you know, was going to was going to cause discrimination and Mark threw a fit about it. Remember that? Economic sanctions. This was the bathroom. He thing, was threatening. Right? No, this was way before that. OK. Against Indiana look like in dollar signs. Well, you see it from Salesforce's perspectives where we've already stopped traveling to Indiana. We've stopped investment in Indiana. You see it from the. But I'm talking about how many millions, billions. What are we looking at across the board? Well, I think you're already seeing tens of millions, and I think we're about to move into hundreds of millions. Do you believe, Mark? So he's, you know, this is, they had definitely impacted Indiana by, on the order of tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. He was saying, we're going to pull all investment. We're going to, we're going to take our conference out. Um, and this is because they were going to pass this RIFRA law. And this is, you know, it's an interesting thing because Indiana is this what state that there really were never any um, protections for, um, now what are the, what are the terms? Like, you know, whether it's transgender or um, just sexual orientation, sexual preference, whatever the things are, never were. Um, they weren't a, it weren't a protected class like uh, like race is, for example. Like it's you know against a lot of discriminate against based on race, but not it's, it's not it was not against a lot to discriminate based on sexual orientation, which is why someone could refuse to um, deliver your cake to a gay wedding, right? <clears throat> All right, so we remember that that was a big deal, or you know, it, was, it was in the news. And then uh, I went back and looked at, found Benioff's tweet. It says, today we are canceling all programs that require our customers and employees to travel to India to face discrimination. Okay? So this was in the news today. And this is a video. Hopefully it will play. Good news on the hiring front uh, because Salesforce, uh, cloud services provider, has opened a new center of excellence in Hyderabad and they also plan to add a uh, thousand people there over the next few years. So I guess if you're looking for a job at this point, uh, this may come as good news to you. Let's listen in to Salesforce's senior vice president Atul Nanda on their plans for Hyderabad and also how they plan to engage uh, with the startup ecosystem, especially those um, uh, in the cloud and enterprise space. Salesforce is going to significantly expand our presence in India. I don't know if we need to listen to this guy. The point is they're opening a new center, a center of excellence. I guess, what? Why do, why is it when people open an office in India, it's not just opening an office in India. It's a global operation center or a center of excellence. What is, what is the deal with that? Is it, um, is, that a, is that a culture speak. thing? But, the, but when, no, no. Because when Salesforce opens an office in um, Boston, they didn't call it a center of excellence. When they opened their office in New York, they didn't call it a center of excellence. Uh, there's something about India with that. I don't. I don't know what it is. It just depends on the culture and the people implementing. I, I was on a project to <laughs> that was center of excellence to, um. Well, what's the word? Uh, migrate, consolidate, Salesforce instances, okay. oh, and yeah. that was considered a or center con- of excellence. Or consolidation. Yeah. yeah. All right. So now then, okay. This is another clip for reference. All of these people have gathered here in central Delhi to protest against the decision by the Supreme Court to effectively restore Section 377, a 19th century law which describes gay sex as unnatural, as a criminal offense, and one that could be punishable by up to 10 years in prison. Now, the court says that this is a decision which is outside the purview of the courts, that only Parliament can change the law. All right, so basically, and now it's, it's, Ill, 
and it has been forever, but there was a, a, a period of time where a, a court had one of the main, one of the, not the Supreme Court, but one of the major city or state courts, um, this is in India, ruled that uh, they, they struck down that Section 377 and, and then it was no longer you know, illegal to be gay. Well, then the, the main Supreme Court there said, no, that's not, they vacated that decision. So to this point, so, I mean, uh, you know, being gay has been illegal since 1860. In 2009, it was, it was Delhi, the Delhi High Court struck down that 377, no longer illegal to be gay. But in 2013, the Supreme Court set aside that, again, criminalizing any kind of homosexual activity. And as of 2015, a member of the Indian National Congress Party introduced the bill uh, for the decriminalization of 377, but it was rejected by the House by 71 to 24. So current status is, and this is from the most accurate website in the world, wikipedia.org, sexual activity between people of same gender is illegal and punishable by incarceration of up to 10 years. So that's India. Mm -hmm. Why are we building more sales offices in India? Why are we not massively deinvesting and getting out so their employees and customers don't face discrimination? I see what you're going for. It's the, it's the hypocrisy of it. It's totally hypocritical. However, I see the other side of it. What is the other side? Strategic. You put, you go in there, you create jobs, you generate revenue. Then you threaten to pull that revenue. Once you have the numbers to say, this is what you're going to lose, you know, this is what You know that did. Salesforce already has a lot of offices in India, I'm just right? Saying, okay. I'm just saying. Once you go in there and say, we have, we have this, this center of excellence there, and it generates this much money, and it provides this many jobs, you don't overturn this, we're going to pull it out. Now, I'm making that argument on... Well, that's what it did in Indiana, right? Yeah, I'm making but that he, argument but they, to say... But, he, but Benioff was successful, Benioff and others, in getting the governor to... Well, they actually, they modi- They still passed the law, the RIFRA law. They just made a little modification to it that, I guess, made everyone happy. Now, <laughs> this, this, is, this is entirely speculative and entirely wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say, it's wrong. This I know this is, me, is uncomfortable this is, for John. This is me just being really uncomfortable but trying to say something anyways. It, <laughs> for, what it, for what it's worth. <laughs> I don't think Salesforce's move into India is strategic in terms of politics. However, once they're in there, they can influence politics because they can show historical revenues and be able to demonstrate that, hey, if you don't, if you, our employees require this in order for us to stay there, can you accommodate us from a corporate perspective? You know the population. I don't of, believe. You know what the population I don't One point two billion people in <laughs> India. <laughs> I don't believe that Benioff is is using Salesforce to this degree. I, I do believe he used Salesforce to further his political views in Indiana and in other locations. I don't believe this is one of those instances. I think this but is he, a, But the bottom line is he's not, he's not willing to only have employees and customers where... I mean, this is... It's, dude, it's illegal to be gay in India. Yeah. I mean, it's just... It's, he needs to be consistent about it. I don't... You know, I'm... I'm all for this, I'm all this, for the equal rights and everything else, and, this, and I think is, I think this, I think he's done some good this stuff. This is the challenge of what he's done. This well, he is needs the challenge to, of he the needs culture to answer, he's created. He needs to explain then why he's doing this. I know this is the slippery slope. He, he owes it. Listen, if you're going to get out there and do what he did, and you're on TV and you're pushing it and you're pushing the politicians and you're banding up with other companies. Then when you do something like this, you need to explain why. I know. I, again, going back to our last episode where we talked about the slippery slope, and I was trying to make the case, and I was trying to make the case with straw man arguments. Obviously, you know, what if, what if Benioff backs something that you don't agree with was my argument. And it's, 
because he hasn't, it's hard for me to say, look at this. Do you agree with this? If not, do you still back Salesforce? Yeah. Because this is what Benioff is doing with Salesforce resources. Yeah. Well, that's, I think, you're, what you're describing there. That's kind of the danger of, like, you really don't want to couple your business with with someone's politics. Right. Because, like you said, it, the tides may shift. They may start doing something you're not, that you don't like. And then if, what do you do then if you're, if you're tied to that? Well, because yeah. he, said, he said on several occasions, I, I'm, this isn't personal. And again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing Benioff when he says, this isn't me doing this. This is my employees asking well, me yeah. to do this. This is me. Right. This is my employees. This is my customers asking yeah. me to make sure that this is not occurring. Right. You know, and, and because of my position and my clout, I can go out and influence this for on their behalf. Right. So is he going to be able to do that in, in India? No. He's, and he hasn't tried. They've been in India for years, probably a decade. Not a peep. Not a peep from Mr. Benioff. So is, well, is, it all, is it all just bluster and bullshit or is it? In all does, fairness. Does he actually believe this? In all fairness. Does he have, does he have, is he as principled as what he makes us think he is? Honestly, I think he is. Honestly, well, I think. Well, why is he, why is he continuing to support India then? It, why doesn't he at least ask them? Why doesn't he go over there and meet with some politicians and start making a change? Who says he hasn't? Because, John, we would know. He'd be all over the news. <laughs> this is P.T. Benioff you're talking about. So, I don't think this this move to India is politically motivated. I think it's corporate motivated. It's money, John. It's called money. It's money motivated. It, it is. He's putting aside his values so that he can make some money. He said. He said on actually that whole CBS thing, which kind of irked my chains a bit, but because they were all, it was it was just a kind of love, love fest, fest thing yeah. that kind of gave me the creeps it was like oh yeah. you're you're T- on our side tell Yay. us more about how awesome you are yeah, Mr. Benioff. It, it was just kind of like <laughs> he he's a capitalist running a for-profit company and you're celebrating him even though traditionally you rally against big corporate america influencing politics it's just it's just it's just this hypocrisy yeah. thing that's getting on my nerves but anyways that aside um I don't think it, it had anything to do with politics. I think it was a strategic move to leverage those human resources. <laughs> You're going to say it. You knew I was going to say it. <laughs> to leverage those resources um, to create a pathway for the the H1V to identify talent that they could bring over to further <laughs> build the platform into something that's incredibly awesome. Uh, all right. Um, well. So I don't think it was politically motivated at all. And so be, because of that, because of we see the Benioff side in politics and we see the Salesforce side in corporate America, there's naturally going to be some hypocrisy. There's yeah. naturally going to be a collision of values. Do you think Salesforce issued a press release that they're opening a new office in India? Probably. I didn't see one. I had to go to the, I found it on the, like the India Times. Well, was I'm, he on uh, in CNBC or any of his news places talking about I don't going know. to India? Probably not. No. No. Probably no. Not. So, I yeah, I mean, he should be more consistent. You know, he, the thing is, is he has staked, he's, you know, staked out his position and he's got a lot of people who, um, well, ex- expect it, it, him maybe, to, maybe it's not hypocrisy. Okay. Explain. Well, he, he says he's motivated by his employees. When his employees come to him and say, Hey, I'm being discriminated against. Can you help me? He says he goes out and tries to help them. 
Has anyone in India come to him and said, but I'm being discriminated against, can you help me? He's made it very clear that he won't do business in jurisdictions where discrimination is legal. No, he says he's got to pick and choose his battles. He has said that verbally, his own words, that he's got to, they got to be careful and he's got to pick his battles. And it was in that CBS thing. So he's okay with an entire subcontinent of 1.2 billion people living in a highly uh, oppressed country? (laughs) He's smart enough to know that he's aware that things he does impact Salesforce and he has to pick and choose his battles. All right. There you go. John is available for PR and and, and crisis management work. Good job, John. Are you saying I did a good job at mitigating the risk here? You did a good job of making up some bullshit uh, answer to why he he's okay with putting his employees. And you customers. always put me in this position where yeah, I have, I to, know, I have yeah. to play the other side. I, can, I mean, I'm not. I wasn't expecting. Just you know, not expecting any uh, answer from you. But it's 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 good to think about all. It's it's, t- it's two of people on a podcast. How well, am I not supposed to respond? No, no, no. And it's it's also good to think about all aspects and maybe what his motivation is. And you know, I mean, I don't know. I do you, is it possible that he didn't? He doesn't have a choice. They have to. I mean. Go to Montevideo or some other place that's, you know, actually in a better time zone even. I mean, I don't, I don't there's, know. There's I mean, places. If you're just looking for cheap people, I mean, there's cheap people in better parts of the world than India. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's an odd thing to consider. I mean, the, the more progressive countries, locations, yeah. are far more expensive than the less ones. It, it's, I mean, you think about France. Like, would you go to France? Um, would you go to Germany, who's who's also heavily discriminated well, against? Is in, against Salesforce is in Germany. I'm just saying, but you're. I mean, you're, the Czech Republic and things. That's that's fast becoming a a, a resource for for cheap labor. India is is well known for cheap labor. I mean, when we're talking about corporate America. Right. They're, they're they're looking for the cheapest big bang for their buck. I right. mean, they're looking for really good, talented well, why, people. Why didn't they look at the Czech Republic for the cheapest or, amount? Or um, eh, Russia's probably not good because Russia is supposedly. No, Russia's still heavily involved in in just discrimination politics. Right. Well, it's it's. Hard. I'm just saying. I mean, if you look at the countries that are that are open and, and progressive, well, the the, the, pe- the people there are expensive. No. They're not cheap. No. But if you want cheap labor, you have to kind of deal with the politics of that environment, which is, which is bad. I'll just say so. So if you can make a little bit more money, it's it's okay to support these areas that have no th- this uh, terrible just, discrimination. But that's I'm, kind I'm of what you're saying. The world is complicated. Decisions are complicated. It's not so black and white to say if you don't do this, I'm not going to do business with you. That's just well. The, I think the bottom line is. I mean, that's an interesting explanation. But we we deserve to hear an explanation from Mark Benioff on this. His customers and his, his employees deserve an answer as to why he did this. No, I I understand. I just I just think the conversation is. Bigger and more complicated than any one person or company. If if it wasn't, then the I mean, United States would have it figured out. I'm not saying that business is easy. I'm just saying politics. But when you when, when you draw of, when you draw lines in the sand, and you you draw your red line, and then you cross your own red line, you have to explain why. Unless no one holds you accountable. No, I, I agree with holding people accountable. I just think that. The problems that we face as a society, as a culture, as a community, are far more complex than any single line. No matter how any any party wants to paint it, they all want to paint this line that says you're either this or right, that. Right. They want to put you in a group that says you're either A or B. And well, to me, that's problematic yeah. because the problems we face True. are not you make black a good and point. white. You make a good point, but Mark was going to pull out of a state because someone might not be able to buy a cake and... He just went into a country where people go to prison for 10 years if they get caught being gay. 
Yeah, but it's 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 a, it's, it's hard it's a, to argue that because one it's way. not black and white because it's a strategic move where you do have influence and you can make a result versus versus what what you have to do from a company perspective. It's it's not black and white. It's it's gray. Ten years of prison is pretty black and white. It's hard to explain that away. Yeah, but it's hard to say. Hey, I know we don't really do any significant business in your country, but I want you to do this so I can do significant business in your country. Yeah. That's that's a harder argument to make than say, hey, we're doing this amount of business in your country. It's worth this amount. Are you willing to let that go if we pull out because you're doing this, this, and this? Yeah, let's see if he, I mean, it's, it's weird for him to up his investment when he, all he talks about is, re, you know, reducing investments and where if you can't buy a cake. Or you can't buy a slice of pizza. Changing minds and changing society is not easy. It's not black and white. Didn't say it is. No one said it was. Ne- neither is becoming a billionaire, to be honest. <laughs> I- I'm a lowly family Mark's man that's happy out. providing for my family. I'm not interested in being, being a billionaire. John, we, we're, we are here to solve the world's problems. I think, I think those that are interested in being a billionaire— And I think Mark should contact us because I think we can help him solve this. I'll just say, those that are interested in being a billionaire live in a gray area. What? Whatever. You don't think so? D- who doesn't live in a gray area? Everything's a trade-off. I guess. There's no black and white. Well, to that point— <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> but some things are really, really close to black. They're extremely dark gray. True. Anyway. <laughs> to that, I say good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Hyderabad is still not excited an hour and a half in. Hyderabad! Okay. Yeah! Please clap. <laughs> <laughs>